in Columbia. Well, it's been buzzing loudly all weekend. Passion of the crowd in Ruby Price Stadium is second to none. And the raid breaks out in Columbia. It is good! Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. J.C. Sherbert. Watch him celebrate now. Bill My wife doesn't like hanging around losing. And Jamie Bradford. I'm going to tell you, you look like you joined the dance Greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Signorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics and built by the Barndoco, the barndominiumco.com. That's where you'll go to build your dream house. I tell you every day, if you plan on building a home anytime in the future, these folks do it differently than the rest of the world, and they're one of the U.S.'s best builders for a reason. I promise you that. They're Gamecock owned and operated as low as $160 per square foot in the Carolinas, in Georgia, or in Tennessee. The barndominiumco.com, or as we call them around here, the Barndo Co. JC, JB, and Phil, until 1 o'clock this afternoon, we'll be joined in less than a half hour by Chris Phillips of the Spurs Up Show. And for those upset with Ben Portnoy's column on attendance in the state, he'll be here to discuss that at 12.05 this afternoon from camp, as a matter of fact, and uh, on campus at Carolina, as uh, lots of talented football players, of course, are have made their way to the Midlands to try to show off and show out for Shane Beamer and his staff. But Portnoy will show up in an hour on our program and talk about that. We'll also talk to him about the schedule that was released yesterday. We have plenty of thoughts on it. Throughout the show, we're going to look back on some things that haven't happened in a while with video. I'm sure many of you will remember a lot of these moments. The 2008 LSU-South Carolina game in Williams-Price is the last time the Tigers came to town. They will be coming to town next year. That's 16 years. They're in the same league. It's ridiculous. So they'll be in Columbia next year. We'll also take a look back at the night that Sandstorm was born in Williams-Price, Ole Miss, Fourth in the country, Jem and Sneed, they come to town, they get upset by Steve Spurrier's Gamecocks. That very same year, South Carolina in a top 25 matchup in T-Town against second-ranked Alabama. Uh, so we're going to – we'll get all that in, and uh, we'll have some video up, and we'll be able to kind of have a little roundtable discussion over all of that. On top of all of that, guys, the U.S. Open is underway, and I've got to imagine we're going to have plenty of soundbite coming from the left coast this week out in L.A. where the – event is being played because of the merger that was announced last week pretty much out of nowhere so uh, we'll kind of monitor the scoreboard there right now Jacob Solomon and a few others are at uh at uh, one under remember it's early because they're out west uh they're only there's only a couple of guys through five holes of play so uh nighttime golf is one of my favorite things in the world to watch and we'll get to do that there's also some movement going on with Carolina baseball, John Whittle put a big nugget on the big spur last night, and uh, I'll back up his claims. Carolina is very much in the mix with a freshman All-American, 
transferring within the league. Also transferring within the league is Michael Braswell. He has announced now that he's headed to LSU. LSU is playing for a national championship in the College World Series. Uh, so, yeah, that loss for South Carolina it certainly looks like one of the best teams in the country is happy to scoop them up, and they have done it down in Baton Rouge. So some notes and stuff like that to pass along throughout the afternoon. But I'll shut up now and pass it over to Phil and JC, guys. Um, yeah, some surprises last night, I'd say. South, I did not see that at all. My intel did not. We, JC, you and I texted yesterday afternoon, and we kind of, we had spoken with somebody who gave us pretty thorough intel that said Georgia is off, and this was after we came off the air. So we were expecting that. Um, no way was I expecting to not see the Gators or the Vols. Yeah, I mean, uh, before I put that up on the Big Spur yesterday, I, I was talking to a, a, one of my contacts and then another one. And they both were like, my God. <laughs> they were like, we got to play as Alabama, Oklahoma, and then Florida and Tennessee and Georgia. I mean, so I, I think it came as a surprise to a lot of folks, um, uh, including a contact, uh, you know, close to the administration side of things I talked to earlier today. Uh, I, I think the SEC just didn't tell anybody. Um, now, it was out before the release about an hour or so. I mean, but these guys didn't get much of a heads up. Uh, just looking at it from a South Carolina standpoint, here's what I think the logic was, okay? Because, you know, this schedule, South Carolina plays one team that's located in the Eastern time zone in the conference, Kentucky. Uh, and Kentucky's going to be the permanent opponent. Uh, a contact I spoke with today doesn't necessarily think they're going to go to nine in 2025. Thinks they'll stay at eight for a while. So Kentucky's the permanent opponent. So, you want to keep that intact, right? Even though this is kind of a one-off, um, you know. I, I think what the, when they looked at Carolina, and, and maybe even what the discussion was on Carolina's end was, you know, playing some games that have not been played in a while. Uh, and you mentioned that Ole Miss is coming to Columbia for the first time since '09. That's a long time. Uh, you know, Alabama gets to host the Gamecocks for the first time since '09. Uh, LSU was scheduled to come in in 2015, but you remember the flood moved that game to Baton Rouge. Uh, and so the Gamecocks have played down there three straight times, 2012, 2015, and 2020. Um, you know, so the LSU coming to town for the first time since uh, 08, which was a close ball game, 24 to 17. Uh, heartbreaking. Uh, Steven, that's the one where Steven Garcia ran into the ref. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And you'll see that um, soon. Yeah. Yeah, so I think they focused on that. I think whether we understand it and, and appreciate it or not, and this is just my theory, they kept the trophy games. I, that that was one I mean, of my I, first notices here. That I, I like, and they did not mess with cross divisional well, the former cross divisional permanents yeah, that much for anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so the, the Bonham Trophy is still there with A&M, and the Columbia Mayor's Cup is still there with Missouri. Uh, and, and then I think, you know, with the reason the Gamecocks got Vanderbilt is because they have Alabama and LSU. And, and I do think they tried, even though there are some some teams that have, I feel, got screwed. Uh, go look at Florida's 2024 schedule. Oh, and yeah. then think about the fact that if they go 6-6 six and six this year, that's going to be a huge year for Billy Napier. 
Uh, they, they, I mean, it, it's it's unbelievable. They play Miami, Florida State, and UCF in the non-conference. Yeah. Keep in mind, UCF is now Power Five. Uh, plus, like, I mean, you name the school. Florida's 20. I mean, I, if there's one team I look at, besides Vanderbilt, because I do think Vanderbilt got screwed a little bit. Well, uh, it, it's Florida. Yeah. If there's a team that got off lightly, I think it's Part Texas. I hope that's not a precedent that we're setting here in the SEC. Um, but uh, so Florida plays. You, you, now they do have my wait. No, hold on. You, you think Texas got off lightly? I mean, compared to some other schools, yeah, I think. Okay. I think, but I also think, and I'll, I'll go through. Yeah, Florida. Uh, they play Miami and UCF are at home. They play Georgia and Jacksonville. They play at Florida State. Uh, here are their other games, home games. Kentucky, that that's fine. They should be able to handle Kentucky at home traditionally. LSU, well, who they always recently. play. Ole, Ole Miss is coming to the Swamp, and then A&M's coming to the Swamp. Then they go at Mississippi State, at Tennessee, and at Texas. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I don't think not anybody – I don't think anybody here got off lightly. I just think this is what it is now. I mean, it just is what it is. You know, look around. I mean, it's the SEC. I mean, yeah, you got. I mean, you got to get used to it. But uh, you know, as far as Texas goes, you know, they have the neutral site game against Oklahoma. They're at Arkansas, a traditional rival. They're at A and M, a traditional rival. Um, At home, they play Florida, Georgia, but Kentucky and Mississippi State, and then at Vanderbilt. Now, they do have a non-con against Michigan at the big house that year. But, uh, you know, so I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it seemed that way uh, with Texas. But maybe, you know, I, I personally think no matter who Texas drew, it's going to be tough for that program to transition. I like where Oklahoma's at a little bit better. Vanderbilt, who has Virginia Tech, SMU, and at Georgia State in the non-conference, they're at Auburn, at Kentucky, at LSU, at Missouri. And at home, they play Bama, the Gamecocks, Tennessee, and Texas. Uh, do you do? You, I mean, twenty twenty four is a long way off, but if, if they're going to get a home conference win, I think Carolina's probably where they should circle because, my God, Bama, Tennessee, and, and you know, now look, they'll beat Tennessee every now and then. We know that, but uh, get, get that's a lot of brand names uh, coming to Nashville. But uh, all in all, you know, look, it's a different schedule that Carolina's got, but uh, I think the fans, uh, you know, if there's there's one thing I've noticed. Gamecock fans like something a little bit new. They don't like the same old, same old. They've been playing Florida, Tennessee, and Georgia for 33 years. You hate seeing the Georgia game go away because that main game means a lot because uh, with the exception of the two years before, prior to joining the SEC, they played every single season. You know, So even fans from the Joe Mo era remember the Georgia series. Um, they played Georgia outside of Clemson more than any other school. So you hate to see it, but um, you, you also kind of look at it and go, well, it's probably pretty good. You don't have to play Alabama, Oklahoma, LSU, and Georgia. I think those, uh, if you, perennial college football playoff teams, you know, I mean, yeah, uh, it, it's something else. But um, you know, Gamecock fans like something new. Look at the Gator Bowl this year. You know, that's the largest bowl crowd. An opponent had something to do with it, but it also had to do with, hey, he hadn't been to Jacksonville since '87. I, I still remember the 2018 Carolina Ole Miss game. Which, looking back on it, was a hell of a ball game. That was a great 48, game. 48-44, yeah, yeah. Jake Bentley loved no, it back. No defense, but um, that's game. the first time they've been to Ole Miss since 08, 10 years. Carolina took five, six thousand fans out there. You know, uh, it gets. Old. I understand when you're talking about going someplace every other year for thirty years, it gets old. You know, eh, maybe we could skip the trip to Knoxville this year. You know, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, 
I don't mind having some new blood on the schedule. Uh, I think uh, at home, too, those games are intriguing. And I think, you know, if you're an LSU or, or Ole Miss fan, um, you know, coming into town, uh, I think that, you know, you sort of look at it and go, well, we ain't been to Columbia in a while. Let's, let's, let's roll. Uh, you know, and then Carolina hadn't been to Bama in a while. And that's that place since they were there last oh, it's totally has become different. a cathedral, you know, of college yeah. football. So <laughs> I think it's all right. You know, I'm looking forward to going to Oklahoma. Uh, I've never yeah, been I, to the state of Oklahoma. And uh, I, I'm, I mean, Norman, is, for those of you who don't know, Norman is basically Oklahoma City. It's 17 miles south. It's a suburb, yeah, it's like, but it's, it's like know, Somerville it, to, to yeah, Charleston, basically. You fly into yeah. OKC, and it's all good. Oklahoma City's a big city, you know, in case you're wondering if you have to get on a puddle jumper or a, a pack of gum with wings and fly in there. I stole that from Rob, yeah. by the way. Pack it's a 15 hour well, drive from here at home. Yeah, that's, <laughs> well, that's not up bad, yesterday. Phil. Oh, we'll yeah, leave on Wednesday. I'll, you know. I'll pick you up and leave yeah, Wednesday. Right. We could get there by it's, Thursday and then come back on Tuesday. It's 11 from Chi Town, so it's not. That's a I flight. Mean, it's it's just a as far. Tuscaloosa is a drive. That's a that's a flight. Yeah, so I, JC, you said something earlier though. You brought up the rest of Florida's schedule. Phil, I I just I think now reality is about to set in, and I foresee a lot of big time non conference games going away in the future. Yeah, I mean, even with this eight game schedule that you know so many are you know panning. <laughs> It's like when you look at it, that was my initial reaction yesterday is get ready because your first multiple loss national champion is right around the corner with a setup like this. Well, I agree. 12 seed playoff. I I think there's going to be nine and three 12 seeds out of the SEC. I I don't see because I, I guess what I'm getting at here too is. Now that you're doing away with divisions and you're going to whatever they're going to go to, whether it's a nine-game schedule, which I think eventually they're going to get there, or it's an eight-game schedule in the one-seven model, either way, it doesn't matter. There is you're 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 crossing, you're crisscrossing the league, and every year you're going to draw a handful of the best teams in the conference, which means the best teams in the country. And I just I was hoping it wouldn't happen, but guys. Phil, I, I I don't see any way that teams like uh, Florida, probably South Carolina, um, Alabama, so on and so forth, continue to schedule the Miamis, the Wisconsin's. I think Bama's got Wisconsin coming up. Carolina's got Miami, NC State, North Carolina all on the schedule. I see a lot of that going away with the reality of, of what this is going to look like setting in. Because I think a lot of the conversation that's been had on TV over the last 16 hours is just manufactured BS. Like, well, what schedule is more difficult than this one? And this one's less than – they're all hard. I haven't looked at one of them and thought, well, they oh, they got it off easy because we know a lot of these teams that are good every year, and then a lot of these teams are good most years, and then a lot of these teams are good some years – and you don't ever know when you're going to – like, I can tell you right now when the schedules came out back in 8, 9, 10, whatever, for 11, 12, and 13, nobody saw South Carolina winning 11 games a year back then. But they sure started kicking some ass. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you just don't know in this league. That's no, why I'm I, glad – I mean, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, and until – 
until we pay more than just lip service to strength of schedule and over, you know, win watching, then mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to see those games go away. Because as much as as much as the the you know narrative is around, well, your strength of schedule is is very important. You know, we still see even in the limited fourteen playoff where wins are what matters most. I mean, yeah. obviously, yeah, I've been on that. Yeah, or TCU so wouldn't have been in it this year. Period. No, I mean, no you know, doubt. Bama was a better team. I mean, I, I put them on a neutral Absolutely field. Scheduled. I'd say they win nine and a half times out of ten. Yeah, Jeremy points out. Hey, Jeremy, what's up, man? Um, it, he said that LSU's got SoCal. Wait, LSU plays SoCal and LSU. Well, that's not possible. They can't play themselves. Um, but somebody is that if if it is LSU, they got Southern California in twenty four. Yeah, Why would you even play that game? I'd buy. Well, it's my already ass been scheduled. It's already well, but see, and, and all right. So I'm going to say something now as it relates to Carolina. Do not expect the Gamecocks to get out of the Chick-fil-A kickoff in 2025. No, no, I don't expect that. They've waited 30 years to get in there, and the payout for those neutral site games, which is probably why against the better wishes sometimes of um, the fans that that they they play them there. Oh, I see what Jeremy's saying here. LSU next year, guys, you mentioned Florida. LSU has both. Southern Cal and UCLA on their 24 schedule. What are they doing? Well, SoCal is in Vegas. It's a neutral side game on a on Sunday night Labor Day. So what? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> who cares? Yeah, hey, hey, look, hey, LSU is the home team, obviously, because USC will be in the or Southern Cal will be in the Big Ten then, and that's a that's yeah. a that's a ESPN game. So so good for the the, the SEC's networks. But, uh, uh, you know, don't expect the Gamecocks to buy out of that Virginia Tech game. Number one, it's a payout of $5.3 million plus to play sure. in it. Yeah, and yeah, and, yeah. and we, we talk about the Charlotte game sometimes, and I agree those things have kind of run its course. Uh, looking forward to the one this year, certainly. Uh, but those are why those tickets are high, uh, because they're paying out the two schools to come give up a home game and pay there, play there. Um and so it makes good financial sense. Plus, I don't think anybody needs to be scared of Virginia Tech for a while. Uh, and and Carolina will sell it out. I mean, that's that's oh, Phil. Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, it's amazing. But, yeah. Uh, and, see, I, I think for years now, guys, these guys have been um, – Phil, send them your routing uh, number. <laughs> some of these guys have, uh, these, these teams have been scheduling up. No, why, why are them five grand, man? Give them the $10,000 bill. Yeah, here, hold on. Ace needs help. Everybody here, stop what you're on. doing. Ace. Here, Ace, just grab this right off your screen, man. And, uh, that'll Ace, be, uh, here's our contribution you to you. There you go. Omar, oh, Ace Chan. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ace needs Bro, help. Pro- persecuted by brain control. <laughs> hey, man, you got to put it up and show everybody what's going on. <laughs> you got to put up yeah. the request. Like, yeah, if you can't see it, yeah. Ace is having trouble. So uh, everybody so. email Ace Chan. So yeah, get, go get his Venmo. <laughs> mm. Sorry to hear that, mm. Ace. It's, it's, I'm it's, sorry. It's tough draw for you, man. I would suggest reaching out uh, to the United States <laughs> government. How do you find our show? Ah, well, he's, he's they must air it in a Chinese prison. Like, that's our hey, Ace, I'm damn sure not going to send you anything unless you, you know, like or love, you know, what it is you're watching. You got to share it a couple times. I'll follow up with you. Let's see. 
Yeah, you need yeah, it. Twenty bucks. Speak out against the government of China. How much is twenty bucks in China? Two thousand. Uh, that ten thousand dollar bill. It's probably less than the that. Ten thousand. Yeah, you definitely have that coming to you. <laughs> So don't worry about it. A little off track there, but guys, we we gotta help out Ace if we can. So there's Ace Chan twelve thirteen at gmail.com. Quantrell says Virginia Tech will be a D two school by then. (laughs) See, that game doesn't bother me, and I like that. And I don't think you know, the way Carolina schedules the extra games, I don't think that those are gonna go away even moving forward. Now I do have a question now is like is with this release last night. Is this the one seven model or is this just a random eight no. to get us through? Yeah, right. this is uh, just yeah, yeah, I, pick eight and go. I, yeah. I was talking on the air in Tuscaloosa and also Nashville earlier about this, and it's it's a one off. Now, from what I was told today, uh, Howard says NC State won't go away because Tanner loves playing in Charlotte. Well, all right, here's another one thing Tanner gets blamed when it's not. Yeah. The By NC the way, State they're series. really good in Charlotte for anybody that's wondering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, They've it's, lost it's, twice. They've won five Virginia is not the only game that was played there, you know. <laughs> just just to just to just to kind of clarify though, there are no more Charlotte games scheduled after this year. That NC State series and the North Carolina series at the end of this decade are both home and home. So you're going to Raleigh and Columbia and Chapel Hill and Columbia. Yeah, Miami like is a home and home in mm-hmm. in Miami and here, you which think I think most fans like. Though, JC, I think I you know oh, looking at it, I, I don't know. You know what? What Miami, for example, uh, from they, a recruiting standpoint, it makes sense. They suck right now. All right, I how mean, about this know, one? Like you've got, uh, you've got. I mean, they they go to App State. Down the road, why? Why I, like, they're not going to play that dude, game? I'd be completely shocked if they played that game. They're not That's still number one so to get right. rid of for me. You look good, just toss it. And by that time, by the twenty thirties or whatever, you'll uh, you know Carolina will have a lot of uh, I think additional revenue coming in by the twenty thirties. So Ohio State's going to be in the SEC in Michigan. Yeah, yeah. you never know. App State might be an SEC team. We're talking years in advance, but but Howard, just to just to say. Uh, just to make sure you know, NC State's not scheduled. No, nothing is scheduled for unless Carolina goes back to the Mayonnaise Bowl. Nothing is scheduled in Charlotte right now. Doesn't mean something can't pop up. And quite frankly, if if a Notre Dame or Ohio State or a big time opponent wanted to play Carolina in Charlotte, I, I don't I don't know that you turn that 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 stage down. Um, maybe maybe you do. I mean, I, I don't know. But uh, you know, Steve Spurrier. Turned down a lot of games, right? When sure. he first got yeah. here, Virginia Tech wanted a home at home. He's like, "Now nah, we're no. not gonna play y'all." We're gonna uh, and then, yeah. thank God, because the will, the will, the Will Muschamp era in 2016 could have easily started in Orlando against Florida State because they wanted that. And Spurrier, no, nah, you know, because that was right after Jimbo won the national championship. He's like, "No, nah, I, I don't think we'll quite be." have our team to, to go do that in Orlando. So they got old Miss instead. And of course, game got started at Vanderbilt, but um, they've turned down stuff like that before. I, I don't think you ever turn down the thing in Atlanta because it's such a big stage. Uh, now you can have recruits come and make unofficial visits to those neutral site games. Atlanta's a hotbed. The Chick-fil-A people, for whatever reason, have been averse to taking the Gamecocks. They've really not played in Atlanta very much at all through the years, unless it's been at Georgia Tech. I, I don't think you get rid of that. And then the opponent's manageable. 
Now, this Miami home and home. I mean, I mean, I would love to play. If they're back, if they're back, and the league goes to nine games, I, I think you maybe see if you can get uh, get out of it. So um, yeah, just not. uh, You know, I, 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 that, that, that would be the one I would look at. You know, if I were, if I were the Gamecocks, I, you know, I, I don't. I don't think if you're South Carolina, you ever want to shy away from playing NC State or North Carolina. But I could also, I could see the logic if it gets too hairy to say, "Hey, look, you know, we we, we need to lighten this thing up." When were they supposed to go to Miami? I know that Miami's coming to town on the 26th, but I or, yeah, 27 in 26, 26, 27. Yeah, but 27 (laughs) has East Carolina, App State. Oh no, no, no. There's Miami. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, I got it. So they haven't set a date for that. Just TBA. I don't know. I know this. We need to step aside because uh, Chris Phillips is due in next, and uh, certainly want to get his thoughts on this and wrap up baseball season with him as well. Remember, Ben Portnoy will join us at the top of the twelve o'clock hour today to discuss his column in the state newspaper about attendance at Carolina. A lot of questions being asked about that. Get his thoughts on the schedule as well, and we'll take a look back at three games that haven't happened in a long time. You'll be, get to watch him with us and fuss and discuss LSU and Ole Miss in Columbia back in 08 and 09, South Carolina in T-Town in 09 as well, where they'll go next year. So, everybody hang tight. God, 2024, South Carolina's at Alabama and at Oklahoma. Who'd have ever thunk it? Inside the Gamecocks of the show, painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. Let me paint something.com. If you're in South Carolina, Georgia, Anywhere in those borders, they will come to you and paint anything, including your dog or cat. We'll be right back. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, All of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me, JB, your low country real estate broadcaster. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. 
But at the Barn Dough Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy installation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Dough Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. Traveling to cheer on the Gamecocks? Reserve your hotel stay with Fan Plans. Your booking supports inside the Gamecocks and the Big Spur, plus you still earn your hotel loyalty points. Visit fanplans.com slash inside the Gamecocks. What's up, Gamecock Nation? This is Jakar Moore from the DMV, and you are listening to the show. Hey, hey, welcome back, hey, everybody, hey. inside the Gamecocks, the show. Sorry, we did a little behind-the-scenes stuff. We oh, not, sorry, uh, about, sorry about that. Going as fast it. as possible. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good, man. You're good. But do do need to pass along the news that oh, has been confirmed Chris. and the family has uh, Chris. acknowledged it correctly. No? Chris knows this. Yeah. Chris. Yeah. 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 You know what's yeah. up, Tell us what we need to know, man. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I feel like it's already out there. Um, yeah, his brother-in-law did say something on social media, so uh, was kind of hesitant to bring it to light, just out of respect for the family. But I did talk with, you know, I was with Brad Lawing a couple weeks ago in his home, and uh, we had a great conversation, as we always did. But uh, Shot him a text because I heard the rumor and just said, hey, coach, want to check on you. You know, let me know you're all right. And his wife reached out and said that last night, middle of the night last night, Brad Lowing did pass. So Jeez. Brad Lowing no longer with us. And that's one of those. I mean, I just found out about 10 minutes ago. So that's one of those uh, kind of stop you where you are type of moments. And, uh, you know, somebody really significant. Not just in the college football, or not just in the Gamecock community, but also the college football community. And if you ever met Brad, just an incredible person, incredible human being. His wife's an incredible lady as well. And uh, somebody that really, you know, welcomed me like family. I mean, really, truly. I mean, I, he didn't have to talk to me. I mean, this guy's a living legend, I think, to most of us for what he did at Carolina. And again, throughout college football, we're talking about a guy that coached with the likes of Nick Saban and Steve Spurrier and, you know, amongst others. And uh welcomed me literally into his home and you know it's uh just tragic news tragic news to start us on this thursday and uh yeah so it's not news i you know want to lead the show with but again i think it's already out there and it's being confirmed and everything and it is 110 percent confirmed that uh coach lawing is no longer with us so it's uh, that's my fault i got up i didn't read the private chat before i asked you about it i just knew you mm-hmm. knew him and i didn't i didn't want to dump yeah. something I, mean, I didn't even read that you had gone back and forth i'm sorry i, I you know my bad. no no you're good no you're good i mean I, it's one of those things like i said I, I wasn't gonna say anything until the family put it out there but i'm actually seeing his his brother-in-law tweeted and i'm not saying his brother-in-law has like some big social media presence but his brother-in-law did put it out there publicly that you know, my brother-in-law, Brad Lawing, passed away last night. So I think it's kind of one of those things where, unfortunately, that's kind of how probably one of these things is going to get discovered or found out if somebody kind of leaks it on social media. Heck, somebody sent me a screenshot this morning from the Big Spur board about about it. So I didn't want to believe it, and it's why I texted Brad. And, uh, you know, it's – I mean, it's just it's just really – it's heartbreaking. It really is because, like I said, I was sitting down with him at his house, and, and you know, Coach Lawing wasn't in – you know, the best of health, but I mean, he was in great spirits as always, but, uh, 
yeah, it's just just terrible. Just terrible news. Said, terrible you news. Know, he's a guy. There's um every time you get a a successful run in any sport, it especially in college, uh, there there's always a group of guys that are always beloved forever. And clearly, Coach Spurrier is a guy that people around here are going to love forever and ever and ever uh, because of what he did in South Carolina. But when you look under that tree uh, of the coaches that came along, Brad Lawing and G.A. Mangus are really the two names that always rise to the top. Um, I know that I, probably part of that too, Chris, I think, is because like I've had G.A. on my shows a ton of times. You've had Brad on yours a lot. Um, I know that b- before I joined Inside the Gamecocks, G.A. had joined uh, J.C. and Phil here, and they've, they've been very – willing and open to to talk to the Carolina community but but South Carolina never left them like they they didn't just come coach here and then move on to greener pastures like a lot of guys do like they are fans of the Gamecocks program and they care deeply about it and I think that's one of the things that really made Brad a big piece of people's lives and it, it's just really sad to hear that way well, he's an outstanding coach but as you said what a great great man and a great storyteller too and you mentioned jb I and mean, again he, he coached all over the place i mean you know it's uh yep. one of the coolest things and i would still say that uh you know he had the coolest man cave probably of anybody in the state of south carolina because you just talk about i mean we have pictures and memorabilia like he had the actual stuff you know what i mean like being <laughs> on the field and from these players and you know, one of the coolest things, he had all the helmets of everywhere he had coached, starting in Appalachian State way back in the, God, what, early 80s or something like that. So, you know, he was at North Carolina under Mac Brown. He was at Carolina in the in the 90s, which one of the coolest pieces. He has an actual on-field worn helmet from, like, 1994, the beautiful garnet helmet with the white circle, which is so cool. But, I mean, um, coached a lot of different places. I mean, went to Florida, went to Florida State. They set the sack record there in one of his last years. He coached so many NFL draft picks and first rounders. and But, uh, you know, when you talk to him about South Carolina specifically, man, you could really tell, again, the love and the passion that he had for the Gamecocks and Gamecock Nation. And he and he bought a house out on Lake Murray. And, I mean, I think there's a reason he planted his roots here because he just fell in love with the place, you know, similar to like many do when they come coach here, I feel like. So, uh, you know, yeah, Brad Lowing was one of those guys, man. I mean, there's a reason why he was embraced by the community the way he was and you know, had two separate stints at Carolina. So a lot of his coaching career was at USC. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he was Gamecock through and through, and I would say he loved the university as much as anybody else. Well, I'll and, be interested. And Brad, and Brad came in 89 with Sparky uh, yep. from App State yep. Yep. as a young coach. Um, lasted his whole tenure and lasted the whole Brad Scott era as well. Lou came in and he went to Michigan State with Saban, I think. Uh, ended up – Saban took nobody with him from Michigan State to LSU. Uh, ended up back in North Carolina for a spell, and then Spurrier uh, hired him in 06, and he coached some of the greatest defensive line lines collectively in program history yeah. and uh, probably coached uh, – if you ranked all the defensive linemen that have played here, he, he's probably got most of the top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a lot to do with I, getting Marcus Lattimore to campus too. 
case people. Oh yeah, great recruiter knew how to sell the university. Yeah, I mean, dude, the, the recruiting stories he would tell were just—I mean, yeah, again, great it. storyteller. But well, uh, I, it was always I funny. Done. It was always yeah. funny hearing him talk about like the realities of recruiting behind the scenes. And you know, we, we were talking about NIL and portal, and he's just talking about you know. <laughs> Back in the day, you know, Billy Napier was at Clemson, and I remember walking in. He's talking to Kelsey Quarles when he's not supposed to, and he's like, I remember having a talk with Napier. He's like, if I catch you doing this shit again, I'm going to report you to NCAA. It was like, but it was one of those things where, like, they knew they were all doing, they were bending the rules, but they were like, as long as you don't piss in my yard, I'm not going to piss in your yard. But, I mean, it's been happening forever, as we all know. But, yeah, it's uh, – well, the stories I think- were just crazy. I think, Chris, too, and I'm sure you learned this from the time you spent with him, I, I think one of the things that made Brad an elite recruiter is he was just going to – you asked him a question, you are going to get an answer. And, and like, when you walked out there on the practice field, I saw somebody said this, just to, Ed said it here in our chat box, and I've seen him in practice, in action in practice as well, Coach Lawing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't cut corners when he's on your rear end. And, that like, there's a – there's such a schmoozy side sometimes to coaches. There was no schmoozy side with him. Black and white. Here it is. This is it. You're going to do it or you're not going to do it. You want to play here or you don't want to play here. And I think a lot of people really took to that. Yeah, I mean, I think a testament to that, JB, is the story that he told me so many times that we publicized was the Devin Taylor story. Well, we all remember Devin Taylor. I mean, a physical specimen, right? This guy's, what, six seven, six eight. Like, I mean, just a massive human being. And he mentioned to me that he, he he brought him to, I think his mother's name was Sylvia, he said. He said, Sylvia, I need you to bring Devin to the stadium tomorrow. And uh, he was planning on offering him. But he's like, I just need to see something. Bring him to the stadium for a workout, if you will. And the workout consisted of this. And Brad told me, he said, listen, I'm not going to run you through drills. All I want to do is this. I'm going to throw my hands up, and I want you to give me your best pass rush move, whatever that move is. And Brad said he cocked back and punched him as hard as he could square in the chest because he wanted to see, because Devin was a very – passive quiet timid kind of kid like you know he's his physical specimen but he he's like i need to see sort of his flight or fight response like does he have what it takes to be a gamecock and he said devin taylor's eyes just turned red and he's like chris i thought he was gonna whoop my ass i mean i really thought he was about to beat my ass and he, he said he stopped he said devin devin we're, we're gonna give you a scholarship we want you here at carolina he's like i just wanted to see if you had that in you so it's kind of like you would probably never hear that kind of story today but no, uh, Devin, or, yeah. excuse me, Brad Lowing's tactics while they were unorthodox, they there's no question how they worked. And I mean, listening to that man talk about pass rush and technique and 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 the pain points on body and how to use that, and hearing him detail like the 2012 Clemson game when Jadavion Clowney had four and a half sacks and kind of and knowing what the center's doing and how you're positioning and playing mind games and. You know, it was something where it, it gave me, at least it, from the football side, just a great appreciation that it's it's nowhere near as simple as, all right, let's just line up and rush the quarterback. It is it, There's a science to the pass rush, really, truly. And, you know, not to take it down a different path, but I think that's why we're so excited about, you know, Travion Robertson because he learned all these things under Brad Lawing. So, um, no, nah, just uh, – yeah, this st- incredible this staff. Yeah, this I, staff will pay tribute to him between yeah, Shane yeah. and Travian. They will. Yeah. I, I hadn't talked to him since. Oh, we exchanged text probably about a year ago, but I hadn't talked to him so, the, the, when the job was open, uh, and I called just to pick his brain. And um, he, he said the guy that gave him the most trouble that you know, of the names that were out there were was Clawson from Wake Forest. 
He said they gave Florida State trouble. Last time I saw him in person, and saying, I, I, I just did an interest in full disclosure. I wasn't as close with, with him as you, Chris, or Keith, uh, also. Uh, mm-hmm. They were really good friends. But he was at my friend's uh, condo before the 2018 Tennessee game. And we sat there and had many beers and talked and talked and talked about ball. And I love talking ball, uh, you know, and, and to pick his brain about it made me better at what I do. Um, even before when I was evaluating talent, just to kind of learn through osmosis, whether it's through Keith or whatever, saying, hey, here's how he evaluates it. I, uh, and D-line's probably my best position at, at evaluating if you look at my track record. But uh, we talked about ball, and I'll never forget, uh, Fedora was at the end at North Carolina. And I'd never, you know, there were names floating around for the job or whatever. He told me, Matt Brown's getting that job. <laughs> I was like, What? Uh, and I didn't even repeat it, you know, sure enough, two months later, Mike Brown comes back to UNC. So, uh, and I, I guess that makes sense. Cause he coached with Brad, uh, Mac back at app state and coached, uh, with Sparky Woods, who's on that staff at North Carolina and stuff. So he probably knew, but, uh, I, that was a, a big, beautiful, uh, sun splashed afternoon at the Casa de Jernigan over there at the, in the condos where, where Flint's family is, you know, where it's at Jamie. I didn't know you back then. But um, I just sat out there on that porch and, and talked to him for about, you know, an hour, hour and a half, just about this, that, or the other. And, um, I always had – and then he took the time to call me during the search and kind of lay things out and uh, always gave me, gave me a lot of insight there. So, uh, yeah. Really going to miss miss that guy. I think the world will, will miss that guy. Uh, this is from Eric Kimry. Very sad to hear the news of Brad Lawing passing away. Coach Lawing was a legend in the coaching profession. He could tell old ball stories with the best of them. Uh, Brad was one of the best and most beloved Gamecock assistant coaches of all time. I'm praying for his yeah. family. So uh, longest, there's going to be a lot of that over the next. I, year, I think uh, he's the longest days. tenured assistant. To uh, it wasn't consecutive years, but. I mean, he was here 17 years. I, I think the number two in the modern era would be Steve Spurrier Jr., who was there for all 11 of his dad's seasons. But uh, yeah. he hadn't been an assistant at Coach Carolina in the history of the program as long as as long as Coach Lawing did. So I, you know, I I, I I do believe there'll be a tribute. Shane was at. You mentioned Devin Taylor. Shane was his lead recruiter along with Brad Lawing uh, in that yep. class. So I'm sure they'll pay some tribute to him, especially with Travian on stab and stuff. And uh, I was going to say too, nice. JC, yeah, Brad. Brad loved Shane. I mean, he did. He loved Shane yeah. and uh, had very high hopes for the program under Shane. So I mean, I think that speaks would, volumes as well. So, wouldn't would well, mind seeing something permanent I, up in the building or something either about it. Yeah, uh, just because he is the longest tenured guy. You know, yeah. It, I think the best tribute they can play to pay to Brad Lawing is that defensive line to go out and play their rear ends <laughs> off like they used that's to. Right, uh, you know, that's, he, he, Brad Lawing, I, I'm just speculating here, Chris. You could probably speak on this a lot more than I could. I, I would assume that Brad Lawing could give a damn about stickers on the back of a helmet. He just wants to see you guys play well. Um, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think yeah, if you want to pay tribute to Coach Lawing, man, go go rush the quarterback and, yeah. and make his life hell yeah, about for four 40 quarters. Sacks. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's he he had a lot of game, or he's got a lot of game balls in his uh, man cave. But you know, obviously, some of his favorites were thirty-five to seven against Georgia, seven to three against NC State, uh, and back in '09. I mean, some of those those great defensive sixteen to twelve against Georgia '07. Like some of those great defensive performances. I mean, he loved defense. He loved getting after the quarterback. And yep. Uh, yeah, if you want to pay tribute to Brad Lawing, man, let's let's have us one hell of a year. And 
Maybe, maybe we'll break the sack record. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, there, there are definitely ways to do it on the field for sure. Well, uh, Chris, this year they won't be playing Oklahoma. They will next year. Uh, your thoughts on the 24th schedule? Yeah, guys, you know, I tell you, I think what stands out, not necessarily who's on the schedule, but who's not on the schedule. You yep. know, a season with no Georgia, no Tennessee, no Florida. I mean, it's the first time the Gamecocks – and you guys can fill me in because I saw the stat everywhere. It's the first time the Gamecocks aren't playing the dogs since 1991. Would that apply to Tennessee and Florida also? I mean, I don't remember years where they didn't play them. Is that the first time since 91 they're not playing all three? Or I mean, it's uh, either way. They've played I mean, all just, three every year since. Yeah, you know, it, all, yeah, all three every all, year. Yeah. Yeah, every there year. Wasn't so, I mean, a, yeah, they played all three in, in 2020. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's – uh, Yeah, those those three not being on there is just is just strange. You know what I mean? It is. Um, I know we kind of have to get rid of that the East and West thought process because there's no conferences anymore, but there's a very heavy SEC West type of flavor to this schedule. LSU, Ole Miss, A&M, Alabama. I mean, heck, even Missouri, right, who joined the league in 2012. That's still – it doesn't – like I know they're an East opponent, SEC opponent, but they're still like one of the newer ones where it's like, you know um, – you know, Kentucky, Vandy, you know, you you like, I think, that you drew those maybe at least kind of – I don't know about soften the schedule up, but I'm sure there's some some others out there that would like to have those two, but they're both on the road, granted. But, yeah, that matchup against Oklahoma, man, guys, I said it last night, it's just a shame we didn't get it this year with uh, Spencer Rattler going to Norman, taking on his old team. But uh, <laughs> that'll be really cool with the storyline, obviously. You know, Shane Beamer familiar with basically that entire roster, and the Gamecocks might get to face off against uh, old Brent Venables once again, just this time as a head coach, so – uh, the 24 schedule is really, really interesting. You know, we'll expand and talk more in our show today. But, uh, man, it's just no Georgia, Florida, or Tennessee. And I, and I know Georgia, some people had their comments, well, why would you want to play Georgia? And it's just, you know, and I know maybe the dogs, for the, for the dogs, it's like the seventh best rivalry or sixth best for them. But, like, Carolina Georgia's a rivalry, man. Like, it's it's just one of those games, the border war that you look forward to every year. And I know this is the future. This is the SEC now. And I guess we'll see what happens in 25. But it's – uh it's just weird. It's just weird, man, flat out not seeing them on the schedule. But, uh, you know, exciting. I mean, I think, guys, all in all, it sets up actually – it's weird to call a schedule with Alabama on it and LSU that it sets up well. But, yeah. I mean, when you look at some others, I mean, God, I'm sure Oklahoma would take South Carolina's schedule for sure. So, I mean, I, I think it's – the, the home slate is just so interesting, man. LSU, Ole Miss, A&M, and Mizzou. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, all, where are the normal suspects at? It's, 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 it's almost like, Chris, they looked and said, all right, we're going to keep the, – they have a trophy, we're going to keep that game. Right, um, right. And, and right. then they said, well, who hadn't been to Columbia in a while? Well, LSU and Ole Miss had not been since 08 and 09. All right, there you go. There's your other two. Uh, where hadn't Carolina been in a while? Alabama. And then they stop right there. They're like, all right, we'll stop right there. We'll give them Kentucky and Vandy, and then they'll get Oklahoma. <laughs> That's probably uh, the, the extent of the discussion. Um, and, look, I'll, Georgia is a very important game every year. So is Tennessee. I mean, uh, Florida, there's a lot of history between the two schools. I don't know that if if I had to cut one of those, I would probably cut the Gators just because it's – I wouldn't call it a rivalry. I think that the two schools have – have a lot to share, a lot in common. There's, they've had some big moments playing each other in all sports. But uh, I would, um, you know, I hate to see Georgia go away. But I mean, I think, I think, guys, this is the reality of, of the, the SEC now. Well, you're going to get them if every they, other year. If they stay at eight, you're going to be playing everybody every other year anyway. Kentucky's going to be that permanent opponent. Um, and I don't think, uh, judging of the intel I have now, don't listen to me on schedules because dead wrong yesterday. 
But based on the intel I have, if they had gone to nine, Georgia was not going to be a permanent either. Um, so, uh, you know, I remember the 90 and 91 season, they didn't play Georgia. And, um, probably good. They didn't play them those, those two years. But uh, Well, Georgia uh, was going to get uh, Auburn, Florida, and Tennessee as their three permanent yeah. opponents, right? Yeah, something like so, that. Yeah. So. But it's, it's one of those things uh, where, where you, know, you just, just got to get used to it. I think what's weird about it, Chris, is that South Carolina doesn't play but one team, uh, Kentucky, located in the eastern time zone. Yeah. As far as SEC schedule. That schedules. is a good point. That is a good I point. I mean, it's yeah. a West heavy. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, I'll tell you this from just the college football fan perspective, even the Gamecock perspective. Like, I, I'm excited for some different matchups. I mean, it's 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 going to be a lot of fun. But, yeah, just not seeing the, the dogs or Tennessee or – or Florida's kind of weird. But to your point, this is just the reality, man. You have to embrace it. And, you know, all in all, again, like as an SEC fan, as a college football fan, I'm so excited that Texas and OU are in the league and we're seeing some really fun matchups. And, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to have to wait a decade to go to Tuscaloosa, right? We're not going to have to wait a decade to, to huh. see some of these games. So, I mean, I think yeah. that's the positive, and I think that positive does outweigh the negative. Yeah, yeah they go to Clemson, Oklahoma, and Alabama. <laughs> Next year, I just you know hey. uh, this league. This, it just Buckle makes Nicole Hour Nicole Auerbach's <laughs> yeah. point the other day in her column just ridiculously stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean that's the most asinine thing I think I've read ever. Now that I've read it, so whatever. Uh, what you got on the show? See it too, man. That's that's the yeah, thing I mean, that really shocked me. It was like yeah, you know, we've been conceptualizing now. this, bringing mm-hmm. them into the league, thinking about what schedules are going to look like, but yeah. then you get to look at it. Right. And you're like, damn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Somebody follow Screw up with your Nicole nine games. and see what she thinks. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. Sorry, we don't get Harvard. Indiana and, you know. You're going to miss out that Rutgers. road game against Indiana, right? You know, yeah. this that's going to be the smell test. Some of these com- columns, it's like, Chris, that's like the tipping point for the oh, the Big Ten because they play nine. They play nine. And I'm like, oh, boy, that road game at Purdue, that's really yeah. going to set you apart. Nine from a team get that Rutgers uh, every year. I mean, well, that's what I was going to say. The only thing that really would improve your strength of schedule is, you know, having to go play Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we've got Vanderbilt in the SEC. I get it, but the strength of the rest of the league is it's it's insane. It's insane. It's What's on your show today, Chris? I know you starts in six minutes, so we got to. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think the Brad Lawing stuff was obviously planned. So we will spend a lot of time today paying respects to Coach Lawing and uh, just probably reminiscing on great conversation. And uh, you know, we'll do that for a while, and then we'll we'll do what probably Coach will want us to do, and that's talk some ball. So we'll we'll break down the schedule and uh, kind of go from there. So, but uh, yeah, guys, I mean, you got to be able to pivot and make the adjustments and. Uh, you know, think on the fly. So that's kind of what we'll spend a lot of the show on today. But, uh, yeah. And then the big Braswell news. God, Braswell's yeah, going to LSU. Crazy. So, I mean, I, I wish him nothing but the best. But well, Transfer Portal giveth and taketh. So, I mean, you know, there it is. <laughs> transfer Portal will be giving us more here yeah, soon yeah. to South Carolina. There's, there's yeah. some good stuff in the works for those yeah. guys. And they're going to be okay. But, mm-hmm. well, hey, uh, thanks for obviously popping on as usual. But good, uh, great insight. I mean, it, well, as awful as the news is, um, yeah. you know, it, great insight into your time with Coach Lawing and uh, and rest in peace to one of the greats to ever do it. Rest in peace indeed. JB, JC, Phil, I appreciate you guys, man. Thanks. Look forward to it next week. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. There you go. Uh, it is 11.55. Ben Portnoy is due to join us in 10 minutes on our uh, program. So uh, we are going to have to double up a break here as so we got to get him in. So we'll probably just step aside in just a minute. 
and then we'll grab him off of his column yesterday. I know some people don't want to hear that, but he is an actual journalist, and uh, journalism is good when you have a live show. So he's going to be on, uh, and uh, we hope that you'll enjoy that. Uh, some other news uh, related to former Gamecocks, if you happen to miss this, hats off, hat tip, and anything in between to Kerry Tharp, who will be retiring at the end of this year after two decades uh, in NASCAR. He is the president of Darlington Raceway, and Kerry, of course, used to be at the University of South Carolina. He's a Gamecock through and through, has great ties uh, in the athletics department. Uh, 20 years, man. Uh, so hats off to, to Kerry, who left South Carolina in 03, I think, JC, if my memory serves me correctly. And uh, that's where guys like Steve Fink under under Kerry. Uh, yeah. Well, Was it 05? Yeah. yeah. No, because no, Fink came from TCU with uh, with Hyman, with the, with the messenger. Yeah. Uh, by no, the way, I, yeah, by yeah. the way, Brad told me they used to call uh, Eric Hyman the messenger. Because they had President Sorensen at the time, we like to meddle in athletics. Uh, so, so he came with the messenger. Uh, Finker did. Just, uh, just to tell you that, just uh, since we're honoring Brad today. But yeah, he came from TCU. Uh, but and I think Kerry went to NASCAR maybe before that. Kerry was a McGee guy. It was oh three. Um, yeah, he was. If you're, yeah, oh three, oh four. Yeah, and so, so I don't know who was the interim SID or whatever, but uh, maybe there was well, one, know. and then Hyman fired him and brought in Fink. But Fink's been here ever since. Well, Fink's the best of the best. But I know Steve got a lot of a lot of nuggets and pointers from Kerry, and we've talked about mm-hmm. that. Uh, but um, anyways, so hats off to Kerry Tharp. Uh, what a career. That's incredible stuff. All right, so we'll step aside and hit a timeout. It is it is 11.57 in Portnoy, two up next. And then we will look back afterwards. Carolina's going to play three games this year. I'm sorry. Next year, 2024. That haven't happened in 15 and 16 years by the time they're played. At Alabama, 2009, the last time they were in T-Town. And then Ole Miss and LSU in Columbia. Ole Miss in 09, 15 years ago. LSU in Columbia, 16 years ago in 08. So we've got some pretty cool stuff. We'll be able to look back on that. and You can jump in and join us and look at the heartbreak of two of those games and the glory of one that still resonates today as we all know hey By tight way, yeah basketball scheduling uh news game guys are playing yeah. arizona tip off uh it's them and depaul uh and then san francisco and grand canyon so the gamecocks could uh if they beat depaul and uh or, or they play grand canyon they could end up re- reuniting with the clapper uh Ooh. Uh, the former Vanderbilt coach. So he's at Grand Canyon. So that's a basketball scheduling nugget right there in the middle of all this. Stuff. <laughs> there you go. Uh, ben Portnoy up next, powered by Electric Bites from Charleston. We'll be right back. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for a karaoke partner, I can tell you, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But what I do have is a very specific set of skills. Hang up now. And your IT nightmares will continue. But stay on the line, and I will find you. And when I find you, I will fix it. Um, thanks. Uh, I think I have the wrong number. I'm trying to call Matt at Heritage Digital. He has a 
one price, low cost turnkey solution for all my IT needs. And I'm sick and tired of my IT guy. So yeah, 843-699-1001. This is 1002. Oh, well, thanks anyway. Don't be taken by some IT dude that talks a big game. Give Matt at Heritage Digital a call, 843-699-1001. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Hey, Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show Garnet and Black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox. You heard Evan Stone, Gamecock fans, 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more, they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the low country. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everyone, this is Jack Mahoney from Gamecock Baseball, and inside the Gamecocks, the show is teed up every day by travelingcountryclub.com. So if you all love golf, make sure you guys go check out their awesome membership options and go Cox. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manus, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. In July, we're excited to bring you the third annual Plunder on Polly's two-day golf tournament with rounds played at Caledonia and True Blue Golf Courses in the heart of Polly's Island. Head to TravelingCountryClub.com to register for that event. And it is not exclusive to TCC members, but to become one, you can sign up and bring to life your golf game. 
Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, travelingcountryclub.com, travelingcountryclub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Zachary Davis from Carolina Hoops, and you're watching the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. Welcome back, everybody. Right. Inside the Gamecast show, hour two, starting off now. Let's see a private message. Okay, good. Yeah, no, that's we're me. Good. Yeah, we're gonna. <laughs> uh, as people probably would expect, this Ben is uh, having to uh, to do with some um, to deal with some of the Brad Lawing stuff. So he's gonna be. We're gonna push him back just a few minutes, probably about ten minutes or so, and then he'll pop in, and we'll get into a lot of what was in his column about the attendance figures. I certainly have some questions because I don't believe it. I was there at every one of those games and my eyes tell me that the numbers are wrong, but we'll try to figure out where the discrepancy is and what information he came up with. And then uh, certainly, uh, certainly go forward there. One of the things though, that is news is more news. There's more news. Yeah. Curtis Fry is retiring. What? Did I miss yeah, that? That tweet just came through eight what? minutes ago. From where? Track coach. So there's some more news. Oh, well, well, you just wait, get Harbor in there, yeah, right? I mean, jeez. <laughs> well, hope yeah. Hopefully, uh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so. Oh, there it is. Yeah, it's in my email. It just came through six yeah, minutes okay. ago. So. Uh, okay. Effective uh, June thirtieth. Immediately. Wow. That's interesting. I hope that's not health okay. related. Could be. Uh, probably have to do some digging. Nah, maybe. Yeah. But yeah. So he he's got two weeks left, and then he's which that's the day before fiscal. Um, yeah. Yeah. So fiscal begins on July one. Wow, that is hmm. good. Good catch there, JC. Uh, yeah, national search for replacement will begin immediately, uh, and then this. He's coming off of one of the best, probably the best conference press conference I'd ever seen before when Nick Harbor signed in February. South Carolina's got good facilities and track. Uh, they're in the SEC. They're in the South. Um, you know, obviously, you inherit Nick Harbor if you come and coach track here. Uh, should be able to get a good one. Uh, very interested to see. Yeah. Uh, I don't know anything about it, so don't ask me who a good track coach would be, but uh, it's usually somebody that's coached a lot of Olympians, so um, we'll see sort of what happens with that. But, yeah, it's it's a lot of stuff just hitting well, us Nick's all at on, once here, fellow hells. Man. Yeah, it's a, it's called a breaking news. Yeah, Nick, day, Nick's already on campus. He's already He's already. He's on I campus, talked to somebody. Right? Yeah, I talked to somebody about him today. Um, doing well, hmm. likes it, happy. Those were the words used to describe him. Um, you know, he's wouldn't uh, you assume he, that this was communicated guy. to him? I would, but I would say, unless are, it's I mean, health related and it's just an abrupt kind of situation, yeah, he should had know. to have been, yeah, yeah. But, but look, man, I mean, I, I, I don't know that if it were just about track, I'm not sure that Carolina gets it. You know, I, I think the track program is good enough. Uh, Curtis Fry was good enough, but um, I think it was the relationship he had with the football staff that, that put sure. the Gamecocks over the top. And just kind of the fact this is where the kid wanted to go. 
I mean, Oregon had a great package on the table, but, you know, he didn't want to go all the way to Oregon. Of course, neither did Jordan Birch. We're finding out. But, uh, you know, so uh, this is where he wanted to go. It's where his parents were comfortable with him going. And uh, he, he's a young man, too, guys, that, you know, his family is they're very academically oriented. They're doctors, you know. Yep. Yep. Um, they they sort of are, would prefer their son to be happy, comfortable, enjoy college uh, than, to, than the hype and the pressure and the, the get rich now stuff and all that. So don't get me wrong. He's got NIL money coming his way um, and probably a lot of it earned because of who he is. But uh, it, 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 his decision process was a little different than most. And if you notice, man, if you even look at his final five, uh, Carolina was the only SEC team that everybody wanted him. Yep. So no doubt. Um, usually kids, when you look at their final five and you kind of explore it and you kind of dig into it, it's kind of like, yeah. uh, you know, this, this guy's kind of got some different things he prioritizes. So yeah. That's yeah. The deal. Well, uh, certainly uh, hats off to coach Fry. And best of luck in his future. He has 15 days remaining as the track coach at South Carolina. Uh, he is stepping down, Craig. He is stepping down uh, if we were breaking up there. Uh, one more quick one here, and then do want to get to something from the scheduling side of things before Ben Port- Portnoy. Is there anything to corroborate the rumors that Birch is unhappy at Oregon? I keep hearing it through the grapevine. I would say uh, he's not thrilled, and the future is TBD. And that's all we can really say on it because there's really no, nothing else uh, concrete on that. Point. Yeah, I don't. I have my doubts that anything's going to happen with it. But uh, people that have, you know, because if people start rumors, sometimes I'll I'll call them out if it's not true. But I can't call anybody out that repeats that because that there is there's some truth. There's some truth. Yeah, you know, yep. it's been yeah, you know, all that good stuff. It's. 2008, LSU came to South Carolina. They will do it again in 2024. The Gamecocks fell that night to the Tigers. Was a good game. Steven Garcia, of course, the quarterback. And one of the things in conjunction with the uh, schedule release yesterday we were able to do is kind of go back and pull some of these three games in particular. And This is one of them, guys, and I remember this night well. I don't know mm-hmm. if either of you were there, um, but you know that were you there? That yeah. was that was a night like I like you felt you felt until the fourth quarter like they had a chance to win this thing. Um, LSU was thirteenth. Um, Stephen had a good game. Remember, I remember really everything about it. The atmosphere was just amazing and electric, and. Much like one one of the ones we're going to look at later on, Alabama, when they were in Tuscaloosa, this was back when, like, you remember remember this time in the Spurrier era, the first three or four years, where they would win a big game and they were just so close to to that consistency, but it would just be one or two things a game that would kind of knock them off, and this was one of those nights. Yeah. Yeah, I remember this one. Uh, now yeah, that, that play we're there. kind of reviewing Honestly. it, yeah. <laughs> that right there is what kind of set it off for me. But, yeah, I remember there being, you know, uh, because this is a big nighttime game, a lot of the hype, it was like, oh, LSU's used to this because they play in, you know, the worst night environment ever. And, uh, 
thought Williams yeah. Rice kind of brought it, you know. And it was like, hey, here, we're we're here. We can do this too. Well, that was that right there. That just had there's that referee play on uh yep. on Garcia <laughs> and that that was right after the Carlos Thomas pick and he stepped out on the five and then they couldn't punch it in the end zone. Mm. Oh man. Wasn't was, there a pick was, six in this game too? Or well, no? that was Carl. That was Carlos. It it was yeah. almost a pick six. They called it back, right. and you know, couldn't just kept. In. Yeah, fi- you know, finally, uh, could couldn't get in, and you know, finally got in there at the end of the first half. They were up at halftime, and then LSU just ground them down in the second half. I mean, it was yeah, fourth quarter they owned it and um, got a big win. I remember. After that interception, my LSU guy, I was working at Rivals at the time. I was just like, LSU has now become a mediocre program. There's a drop interception that yep. killed them. Yep, that was um, it. Well, no, that was – they lost. Yeah, that, that was, was the wide open drop. That was the fourth and 19. He was wide mm-hmm. open. Had had they caught that ball, I mean, we can't guarantee they would have scored, but they definitely would have had a shot at a field goal. Had they scored a touchdown, LSU would have been down a touchdown. Then, then their score would have just tied the game. You know, yeah, it was it was a disappointing night. I mean, and, and that that uh, that O eight team, if you kind of think about how that team ended up uh, and what they really were, I mean, they lost at Vanderbilt. Uh, this was mm-hmm. one of Stevens' handful of starts that year. It was usually Smelly or Beecher at the beginning. Uh, they ended up getting blown out at Florida. They got blown out by Clemson. They gave Dabo Swinney that job. That that game opened the can. That's a significant game, right? Yeah. And then the game against Iowa and the Outback Bowl was atrocious. That was Spurrier's worst team, I thought. Uh, but that LSU game and then a game against Tennessee, the game Steven started there in the middle. Remember, he came off the bench at Kentucky and played his butt off and led them to victory and got the job for a couple of weeks. That middle of that season, that, that team played pretty well. But they um, – and I think LSU was like 7-5 and five that year too. I mean, they weren't anything special under Les Miles. But uh, that one hurt. I, I think that one was – Kind of like that Auburn game in 06, which was the same final score, 24-17. Yep. 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 Uh, the game guys had a, lot, a chance to make a statement and played their butts off and just came up a little short. But uh, and, and that happened a lot in the early Spurrier well, That's era. what and I was then, saying. Well, I, think that's, I think that's one of the things that in the Muschamp era and then early in Shane's era that people were – like they there, there was some PTSD there because – for the for the most part, when when Coach Spurrier got here, it was very rare that the Gamecocks were going to go into a game against a nationally ranked opponent and feel like they had no chance. It was it was a surprise. Like remember the Auburn game in 05, the Antonio Hefner disaster to start it. Like things like that were they were rare. Um, it didn't happen, and you felt like you mentioned Auburn that LSU game. Uh, gosh, even when they went to Bama in 09, like you felt like they had a chance. Auburn in 2010, uh, when Cam Newton started making his run to the Heisman Trophy. And they did, usually. And then, like, you fast forward, and, and people people didn't feel like they had a chance as fans of the program in, in the big games under Coach Muschamp. And then early on in Coach Beamer's tenure in 21, it was like, Man, we used to walk into these games with some confidence, and there's just zero confidence in any of these things. And half the time, it, that was right on cue. Um, That's back, though, uh, especially oh, at home now. at night. 
at home at yeah. night now it's back uh it's not all the way back but, but man you don't have the head ball coach standing on your sidelines that that alone is worth at least 15 confidence points because sure. that guy i mean his whole career he he would get you know he was problematic for every i think other coaches were intimidated by it you know i think the other coaching staff they see him over there they get tight once he got up his sleeve I mean, that first touchdown against Bama in 2010, they threw to Marcus. They worked on that play all week. It never, they'd never seen it. Uh, I guess Gary Danielson thought it was a freaking um, a penalty, but it wasn't because Spurrier would line it up just so. You never if – he, if he told you to go two and a half yards and you went three, that was your butt Yeah, because yeah. it was all based on you know, right here, two and a half yards, right? Shoot, not – that's three yards. It's two and a half, right? Um. And so things like that just intimidated people. And then the way he coached his team, which is a lot like a lot like Beamer does. Beamer's not a big, like, tight guy. You know what I'm saying? It's go out there, have some fun. You look at his pregame message before uh, Tennessee, uh, where that team had every reason. I mean, you know, other coaches sometimes would have to, oh, we're batting down the hatches. This Urban Meyer was like that. I remember him before the Carolina game in 2010, where it looked like that, that, pretty sorry Florida team he had would, would accomplish something if they beat the game guys get to the dome. He was like, we're going to, we're going to prepare, prepare, prepare right up until kickoff. We're going to do this. We're going to do the hardest we can practice at all. Well, you see what happened. They returned the opening kickoff about the second quarter. They're gassed because they're trying to tackle Marcus Lattimore and that they blew their, I don't want to use the term blow your load, but they, they shot the wide shot. the Well, I, you know, something, Used hey, all listen, your those, you know. That's what these the idioms were originally, is the way you're using yeah. them. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, but uh, it's uh, you know Spurrier well, was really good at that, like just not putting just a lot another of pressure game. on his team. He never yeah. ever mm-hmm. put more emphasis on one game than another, ever. Yeah, and one thing Brad Lawley did pass along to me one time. They said the genius of Steve Spurrier is this. He's like, uh, he's like. Um, he never puts pressure on his teams to win. It's just no. go play your best. Yeah. Play your best. Yeah. Let's just go play. Just go play ball, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. Just go play ball. And that's why they generally, you know, always had a chance. Uh, and, I mean, like, the for instance, Ole Miss going to come to Columbia next year. Phil, you can fire that one up mm-hmm. while you're at it, I guess. But that night – that they were ranked fourth in the country, right? And but but that fourth remember remember that number four ranking, and there was a lot of people who were like, I you know, I just don't know. I don't know if I'm buying it, right? Don't know if I'm buying it. Had you not had that type of mentality, and there's a fumble from Steven early in the game, and I thought, oh god. Was um, this a Thursday game? Yeah, that was the Thursday. This was the that's, that's the Thursday. This is sandstorm. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And but like, if you didn't, if you didn't approach it that way, that's a game right there that easily could have gotten away from you because the Gamecock offense really, outside of a couple of plays, wasn't very good. It was the Carolina defense that was really good that night. Um, remember how JC? Do you remember how hyped up Jevin Sneed was going into that game? <laughs> oh man. Well, he right, was good, you know. Hey, Steven. Houston Nutt got him in, right? And uh, and added to our boy. Uh, our boy actually recruited this team. 
for Ole Miss. McCluster, I recruited Dexter McCluster. I recruited Kendrick Perkins. I recruited mm-hmm. Jarrell Pole. Play right there. I mean, mm-hmm. or Orgeron did get them a lot of good. Re- he was Hugh Freeze before Hugh Freeze. But Hugh Freeze over there, Landing but he just couldn't win. And Houston comes in and and he's a winner, you know, if he's got players. Mm-hmm. And and he got Snead to transfer in, and uh, boy, boy, they were off to a great start. They finished the previous season hotter than any team in the country. Yeah, but uh, that play changed the game you know, right there. Houston Nutt, as much as he was a Gamecock killer, when he went to Ole Miss, he wasn't. Carolina beat him, Spurrier beat him twice mm-hmm. uh, out there with that 08 team. That was another big win that 08 team had out, out there in Oxford. There's our boy. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in this one. So, um, Look how young Steve was. Well, his head ball coach here. We, you know, she, we should beat the Mississippis. That fake punt changed a lot for Ole Miss in that game. Or that, I'm sorry, the fake field goal. That fake field goal was – I don't know what they were doing there. I don't know what their thought mm-hmm. was. Their defense was playing so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bink in the chat box mentions, just mentions Greg Hardy being on this team, and we all yeah. know he's uh, – we all know his no. career. I'll tell you what about Greg Hardy. They got him out of Memphis. There's Mo Brown. Yeah. Oh, no, Mo. He just, Mo just he didn't. Quite good Mo will tell you, too. He's like, I just – I didn't have enough gas. I could get down the field and couldn't <laughs> get to the finish. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, – he uh, so so I, I rated Hardy was from an inner city school in Memphis, and I look and I see this six four dude, and this is the D line and me coming out, and he's about two fifteen to play basketball. And mm-hmm. I watched his basketball film, I'm like this guy, he's Jack. gonna be two hundred forty five pounds and be really good. Um, and I was right, that was one I was right about. So uh, there's Mister Demarco. Well, and that's look look at the time six fifty seven left in the game, and Carolina didn't score again. That's how good Ole Miss's defense was. That was the start of yeah. the Landshark stuff, like the real start of it. Oh yeah, but they had a lot mm-hmm. of talent. I mean that that Ole Miss team. I think they ended up going back to the Cotton Bowl that year, and they, I think they won won it again. They won back to back Cotton Bowls, uh, and then the bottom just fell out because a lot of these guys went pro or got suspended and left. And Houston Nutt did not recruit at the level. Or Jerron or Freeze did, and turn they this up, Phil. See if you can put the volume yeah, on. That. Keep put the volume on that. Yes. This is where it started. A shoulder and that gets you five or six. That's it. That's where Sam's going to be. No towels yet. This will be your yeah, before towels. That place is nuts. Look at them all forty thousand. I was in there. <laughs> I was somewhere in there. And the raid breaks out in Columbia. Yep. Oh, yep. Knows if he can make one more God, he could play, could not he? The win. Hey, that's in our intro. And the raid breaks out in Columbia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just amazing. Sneak, game over. Cliff. Look, Cliff, Ingram. Norwood, Lottie as your boy. Those are brass guys, man. It's, it's, it's amazing we watched this today. Those are Norwood. Sneed fires downfield. Incomplete. Battling for the ball. Those guys are secondary back there. I mean, every one of those guys went to the league. Yep, yeah. Stephon Gilmore, yeah, you. Yeah, loaded. I mean, think about all the NFL guys in that team, man. Wrangler five-star 
I mean, think about it. Think about the offense. Think about the D. There's Pat. 11 years in the league. I think half that offense is the just think, I think that really just kind of emphasizes what you said earlier, JB, is like there would be these like one or two like little mistakes just all bounce the wrong way that, I mean, how close you were to being – you know, a story program or to, or to be in the first team to, you know, oust the big six from winning the conference championship. Uh, we're man, still waiting. Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. waiting. We're still waiting. Uh, I guys, guess the question, do you think Texas or Oklahoma will be the first one outside of, you know, the big six teams in the SEC to actually uh, win a conference championship or do one of us who've been hanging around for a while break through? I don't know. These damn schedules look tough, man. <laughs> I, 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 I'm one who personally thinks it's going to take Texas and Oklahoma. They're not like I don't think they're going to come into the league and be five and seven. That's not what I'm saying, but I, no. I just think that it's it's going to take them some time to if they have aspirations of being Bama and Georgia and LSU and things like it's going to be a while. Oh yeah. Here's the thing too about these teams, though. That I do want to point out. A and M and Missouri when when they came in, A and M was a six and six team. They fired Sherman, Mike Sherman, mm-hmm. brought in someone. Johnny Manziel was fifth team, uh, and that year A and M, I expected them to be paper soft, right, and play no defense because they were the previous year. Somehow they because of the talent they had, they rose to the occasion, and and that's been their best year since they've been in the league except twenty twenty. Um, and then Missouri took their lumps at five and seven the first year, but then in 13, they had recruited really well in the D line, like a bunch of, they kind of had a Brad Lawing approach, a bunch of under the radar guys, Michael Sam and all those guys. And they took advantage of the East being a little bit down and got on a roll and had a good quarterback and lo and behold, they won the title. Um, and, and I didn't, I didn't see any of that coming. I, now I think A&M and Missouri though have different, they had different like cultures in terms of the fact that they're kind of the underdogs. They're not, there's no entitlement at those schools. Um, maybe at A&M now with NIL, but uh, back then I think they kind of knew like, look, we better step it up. Uh, if you go to Texas or Oklahoma and you're used to kind of, you know, fiddling around in the big 12 and only getting up for certain games uh, and you get hit in the mouth week after week. I mean, what's going to, when you go to Mississippi state, and you're like, oh, it's just Mississippi State, and they hit you in the mouth just as hard as Georgia, right? You know, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the difference. That's, that's the thing to look for there is that I, I think, I think it yeah. almost works against um, bigger name programs to go into a new league. Uh, look at what happened to Miami in the ACC. Yeah, for, well, that, that yeah. exactly that's the difference in this league and every other league. It's not, I mean, yeah, the top is the top. They're elite. I get that, but. There's years – I mean, Ohio State's elite. There are obviously years where Clemson has been elite, where Oklahoma has been elite. The, the, the difference in the SEC is the blue-collar programs, the, 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 the blue the, – you know, the middle class. Those guys that make up the middle class, they're just better and tougher than everywhere else. It's better than the ACC. It's better than the Big 12. It's better than the Big 10, and it's better than the Pac-12. And – um you know, if you, I've always been one of the guys, JC, take away the top 
and take away the bottom. So you can do it one or two. You take away the top two teams, you take away the bottom two teams, and where does that leave you? What, what's the strength of your league? So if you do that in the Big Ten, if you do it in the SEC, if you do it in the Pac-12, whatever, take away the top two teams, take away the bottom two teams, what does the middle tell you about the league? And And what it tells you generally is <laughs> – that when you take away the top one or two teams in the SEC, that third one probably still going to be in the playoff. <laughs> These other leagues can't claim that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, like, like the middle of the Big Ten, and I'll say this, but style of play, I'm, I'm going to say this about those two Pac-12 teams going into the Big Ten on, on the opposite end. Uh, yeah, uh, Wisconsin can't can't compete with Southern Cal speed-wise, talent-wise, whatever. But you take those boys out of Southern Cal and send them to Madison in late October for kegs and eggs, and everybody's doing jump around, and there's a sea of red, and, you know, you're not used to it being 30 degrees, and you're getting your face beat in. You know, that's going to cause them problems, too. I don't think anybody in California – this is the California arrogance, right? I don't think anybody, like, out there really, like, float it through, man. They're going to be out there freezing. You know, and they can say all they want. Let's well, just like playing Notre Dame. No, no, you you play Notre well, Dame in October, and that's one game every other year. You're not going to Penn State and Michigan in the same season. Yeah, you know, you're playing I will Stanford, give them some Oregon credit, State. Though. They got to go to Utah, so I will give them that. It is not warm in Utah. Yeah, and they get their ass cut at Utah. Well, they got their ass cut at Utah this year, and then they go to Vegas inside, yeah. inside now. Yeah, and they get their ass cut again. Yeah, that's, that's good <laughs> so that's, that's good. Point. You know, like Lincoln Riley, man. They need to. They need to get tough. They, they, they're they're recruiting more out of the South now. They need to recruit some some Southern boys. But I'd, I'd be hitting the Midwest too for some offensive lineman whose last names end in itch, vitch, or ski. Yeah, you know those dudes. Yeah. yeah, you need to get some guys like Marinovich and Marovich and 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 Rosinski. I mean, those guys, you know, you know, or or, or go to the middle of Kansas and get like Bud Smith. Yeah, have Bud Smith will <laughs> yeah, whip your butt right. in the big. Get him off his tractor. Yeah, you can't put it put together like down, that. <laughs> you can't put it together like that in the SEC because it's not cold weather and it's you know they're going to get out athleted. But that that Big Ten situation, man, that's going to get it because that's. I mean, we talk about Texas and Oklahoma coming in for the Big 12. Their cultures are still kind of the same. Their high school football is still great. It's just a matter of them as programs toughening up and getting used to the grind. Southern Cal and UCLA, how the hell do you get used to that? You can't even simulate it in practice. Purdue can simulate it. Wisconsin can simulate it. Nebraska can simulate it. How are you going to sit out there in Malibu, (laughs) 75-degree weather with beautiful babies walking around everywhere? You're wearing shorts. And you got to go to Minnesota. I don't even think any of those fools out there in California realize Minnesota has an outdoor stadium now. Yeah. <laughs> you do realize they don't play in the Metrodome hey, anymore, sir. Yeah, the Gopher you? Dome is yeah. gone. Yeah. Go, go. It's 1230. We got to hit a timeout. Hang tight. Teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com. Inside the Gamecocks, the show will be right back. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Searfoss of Caldwell, Banker, Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 864- 
414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Cool Joe here, and when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm, and the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning, it'll melt in your mouth, it's good on a cracker, it's good in a bowl, it's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget, Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey, JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. (laughs) Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more and they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Program, you know, like Carolina Rise. I mean, I, I can't stress enough how how important it is to get involved with these with these programs because that goes straight to our student athletes it goes straight to recruiting it it helps tremendously on multiple levels and i know that it's one of those things you sometimes don't necessarily get to see it or feel it right away but you will feel it in a negative way if you're not involved on the front end Carolina Rise has been a huge impact in our program. Um, if you don't have good players, you don't compete, bottom line. And these days, as you mentioned, the 11.7 scholarships uh, is not near enough for what baseball players deserve. We have 35 players, um, yep. only 27 of which can get scholarships. And we have 11.7 scholarships to divide up among those 27 guys. 
So you're you're talking about the average player on our team is paying half a scholar or half half his way to come here. Um, it's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. And you know the NIL uh, market has allowed us to help kids afford to come here. It's helped kids to want to stay here. Now, there are guys on our team that would not be here probably without the NIL. And Carolina Rise has been a huge part of that. Um, you look at, we had three draft picks last year that decided to come back to South Carolina. I don't know that that happens without the NIL. We appreciate Carolina Rise very much and everybody that's helping to facilitate that and, and help our players uh, is a big part of what we're doing now and what we'll be moving forward. Certainly, guys, looked like more than the 60,000 or whatever they said uh, that was reported the other day uh, for the attendance, right? It, it, I, you know, I don't know. It's a, that, that last silly. one there was a uh, <laughs> clip from the Tennessee game. Yeah, that was Tennessee. Yeah, <laughs> Seems like where if I recall, was... there there were a couple of little empty spots up in the corner of the upper, but uh, you know, beyond that, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, here's the thing. I mean, if he's trying to point an, a finger at the issue of, well, you you sell this many tickets, give this many tickets away, so therefore that's your gate. I mean, there, that's nothing new in the, the world of sports accounting. I mean, mm-hmm. the professionals have been doing I mean, ask, ask Major League Baseball how they've been, you know, determining attendance for all these years. Oh, yeah, 40,000 people in the stands on a Tuesday at 2 a, or 2 p.m. And uh, there's obviously like, you know, 6,000 people there. If that. So I, know. I don't know. Yeah, I, uh... I think we lost the stream, fellas. I see where some people... Are still having, really? but they're still commenting. So it was yeah, like, mine, mine's on. yeah. And I'm live. I don't think it, that was. I'm fine. I don't. I don't see yeah. anything. I just don't. Yeah, yeah. I I'm, would say I'm, if we're, we're, let it, let us know if it's back. Keith says it it's should back, be back. So it's yeah. Back. Yeah. And look, man, I, with this lawing thing, I, Keith, Keith and Chris especially, I, I feel especially bad for those guys because they had a really good personal relationship with that guy. Keith, Keith's known lawing since yep. lawing was there before, and uh, you know we all lost somebody that we respected in the coaching community and a great Gamecock. So some people lost friends and a dad or a a husband. Um, And so I just wanted to let everybody out there know that, you know, I'm thinking about you. Yep. Yep. No doubt. (laughs) Yep. There's no doubt. Yeah. Brad was, uh, Brad was absolutely sensational. So, uh, you know, he will, he will be missed, there's no doubt, and I'll be anxious to see what uh, Shane and and the University of South Carolina come up with to honor him. They'll figure out a way to do that, I'm sure, something within the facility or whatever it will be. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Man, one of the, again, uh, going back to what we said earlier, he, he was just real, and you don't uh, – that, like what Chris mentioned earlier about um, 
how he in, in he likes Shane. Uh, talking about Brad Lawing, I've heard that too, and um, and Pat mentioned that to me one time that he knew Coach Coach Lawing's been by the facility a couple of times, has a lot of respect for Shane and what he's attempting to do. But I think though, one there's a reason for that because they're both real. You know, you hear Shane say this all the time, right? Like when people, why are you recruiting so well? And he says, well, we get these words like authentic and real. Like they feel like when they ask us a question, we give them an answer, regardless of what former coaches' dads want to say on Twitter without releasing the other nine minutes of the conversation. So, and the, but that was that's Brad. I mean, I, 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 I'm not like Keith or, or somebody like that who's had a but you know, known the guy, call him a friend, like, you know, it's not like that. But you didn't have to be like that to understand that he was real. I mean, anytime you ever saw him speak, he spoke. There was no there was no sly language. There was no, you know, beat around the bush. You asked him a question, you got an answer. If you were a recruit and you asked him a question, you got an answer. Jadevion Clowney <laughs> Even said multiple times, he didn't. As a matter of fact, he pushed me harder. Like he didn't just let me come in and play defensive end at South Carolina and do what I wanted to do because I was I was a star and I was the number one player in the country. He made me earn it. I mean, Jadeveon Clowney was probably promised a starting position at every school in college football, including Clemson, Georgia, and Alabama. And Brad Lawley said, you ain't walking in here and starting. You got to earn it. And he didn't start, did he, guys, for a long time. It took him. And people didn't. We didn't get it. We didn't understand that. JC, you probably did. You were covering it. I didn't. I'm sitting here thinking, why is this guy not starting? He's the best player. Number one. Yeah, that's right. Melvin Ingram and Devin Taylor were starting. Right. Yeah, They were. But but everybody else, I'm I'm just saying, had he gone anywhere else, they were going to plug him right in. Period. And Brad was not yeah, going to do that. The thing so, about Devion and his mom, they didn't want to be coddled. And, and that's largely why Alabama and South Carolina were the final two. Uh, Clemson, Clemson, Clemson got him on campus, and as they do, uh, Dabo worked his magic. And, and there was maybe some more consideration given to them toward the end than, than people may have thought. But they, they were never seriously going to get him. And Alabama had kind of been left in the dust. And the reason was, and Brad did a good job of this too, so did Ellis and so did Lorenzo Ward, to explaining to him, hey, and we've seen this play out in the NFL, guys, with, with how the Texans sort of misused him. You are not a 3-4 jack linebacker in Alabama's defense. You are a hand-in-the-dirt elite edge rusher uh, that when you yeah. – when he wanted to play the run, boy, he, he could play the run, too. We yeah, with great run first. upside. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we, we, <laughs> yeah. we saw that firsthand. And he's actually pretty good at playing the run in the NFL these days. But, uh, you know, they they that that's – Clowney, what I really admired about him as a recruit, and all these guys really that came through during that era, they weren't necessarily hype guys. They they, they did their talking on the field. Uh, and they wanted to be coached. And, they, I mean, they wanted to play for a guy like Spurrier. They wanted to be coached hard. Um, and so, you know, Brad did a great job emphasizing that and outlining a plan. And, you know, sometimes, like, coaches will give you a plan and uh, then you get there and things are different, right? You know, there, it's, it's smoke. You know, you blow smoke. I know one defensive line coach that's at a school that got a transfer from South Carolina this offseason. 
um, that's on the West Coast that that that, that kind of works that way at that position. But Brad did exactly what he said he was going to do for Clowney, and look at what happened. The yeah. guy turned into number one pick, and look at what happened when Brad left to Clowney's production oh, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. with Deke, Deke didn't know what to do with him. I mean, he just look what happened to the whole defense. Do. Yeah, uh, Lorenzo yeah. Ward's best defenses were when Brad was calling the front because Lorenzo right. was a secondary guy, you know. Yeah. And those two working together they almost should have been co-coordinators, to yeah. be honest. Um, but you know, things happen. Uh, it is uh, 1243. Uh, finally, uh, Ben Portnoy has wrapped up with uh, what he has had to deal with, which is what we're talking about. Brad Lawley's passing. There is a uh, column up on that on the uh, state newspaper, and um, and so people can check that out. So we still have a break to get to, Phil. We got one we got final quick one. One, one final quick yeah, one. So let's, mm-hmm. let's hit the final break. When we get back, Ben Portnoy will be here on his column uh, from a couple of days ago. Folks upset about it. We'll let him explain it on Inside the Gamecocks, this show powered by Electric Bites of Charleston and built by the Barndoka. A new home, Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 L-O-N-M-L-S-1772-182. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned and operated. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Ethan Petrie from Land Lakes, Florida, and you are listening to the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. On deep drive to left. Morgan looks up, and it is gone. Two is sent to center, and this one is going to be long gone. Shot the opposite field from Passes, and it's gone. 2-0. That's driven deep to left. Langford looks up, and it's gone. Uh, final 15 minutes inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics. Sure are going to miss, sure are going to miss baseball season. Let me give uh, John Whittle some credit. Uh, make sure you check out his note from the transfer portal last night. Um, I can just corroborate what he's saying. I want to be fair because John first reported it, as he generally John does. Um, but um, pretty, pretty similar intel on this side that South Carolina is uh, heavily in the mix to add a uh, star freshman, one of one of many 
star freshman in the SEC this year. Um, so check out John's reporting on that at thebigspur.com. All right, uh, final segment again. Uh, ben Portnoy is kind enough to give us some of his time. He was set to join us at the top of the hour, but covering camp today at williams Bryce Stadium, and then that colliding with the tragic news of the passing of Brad Lowing. Uh, ben has uh, had some catching up to do over the last 45 minutes or so, but he is still going to give us a little bit of his time, and we're happy he's doing it. What's up, man? How are you? What's going on, guys? Sorry for that. Obviously, a, a crazy day, and thoughts out to Brad's family and, and those affected by that, and uh, appreciate you guys being flexible and, and uh, still being able to sneak me in. No, we, we appreciate it. There's been a lot of news in Gamecock land today uh, that is floating out by the second it seems. Uh, JC mentioned earlier there's some some hoops news with uh, future scheduling uh, in November in a for a tournament. Uh, we just got the news that in two weeks, all of a sudden, Curtis Fry is retiring as the legendary track coach. We've got the Brad Lawling news going on. Oh, yeah. And then there's this whole schedule release thing that happened last night. So there's nothing to write about, more than likely. Yeah, you know, you get to the summer and and you guys could all kind of attest, you know, you get to the summer and you think that things will slow down for like four seconds and then, you know, all hell breaks loose and there's 47 other things to deal with. So it's uh, it's part of the fun, I suppose. All right. Well, um, let's 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 get to this here because you're catching some heat because of your column a couple of days ago on the attendance, uh, the fan attendance in South Carolina. Yeah. all right, Ben. So, 2022 was pretty much widely regarded as a resurgence of sorts at Williams Bryce. Uh, there had been some lean years. Obviously, COVID was in there, but as far as packing the place out consistently like it used to, having a lot of night games and those type things, um, you know, it had gotten stale at the end of the Must Champ era. And Shane comes in and he's really trying to urge folks to get out there and watch the ball games and this, that, and the other. I was there every game except for South Carolina State, and it sure looked packed. But when I read your column the other day, and I know the numbers have been updated, uh, there seems to be a discrepancy. So my question is, is what is the difference between actual attendance, tickets sold, and tickets scanned? Yeah, so it's it's a super interesting conversation, and and I think you're right. Like, anecdotally, I agree with you, right? Like, you show up at Williams-Rice Stadium the last two years, like – it was a packed house most of those nights, or at least felt like it, right? And I think that that's, that's, that's sort of the interesting thing when you see attendance numbers and sort of how these things are calculated and what goes into it. So the, the super basic breakdown is that, you know, the attendance number that you see, right, South Carolina is going to tote a sellout or whether that's, you know, uh, whatever that entails, generally is somewhere around 75,000, give or take. Uh, what that means is when you count attendance, and this isn't unique to South Carolina, and that's another point to make here, is that basically the way that attendance is calculated both at South Carolina and functionally every other school in America uh, is that that includes you know, patrons, it includes uh, fans, it includes people who are working as volunteers, ushers, the teams, everyone. I mean, it is like literally everyone. So that's one thing. Scan seats and scan tickets as far as who's in the stands, who's in the seats is a different thing. And I think that's where there's like generally a really big discrepancy and it existed here, right? And the documents that we looked at is, you know, 
I think that South Carolina's generally speaking average attendance for those uh, those games that it announced as sellouts was seventy five thousand or a little bit over that. The number of scanned tickets now that's between regular patrons, that's students, um, that's people who like have a ticket stub, are scanning it, going through the turnstile was closer to I believe it was fifty two thousand. Um, so it's you know fifty five thousand, whatever it was. So it's a, it's about a twenty five twenty thousand person quote unquote uh, discrepancy. Now again, that's fairly standard. That's generally speaking how this is calculated everywhere. Um, it doesn't mean that there weren't people in the stands, I would clarify. Um, and obviously yep. there were a lot. So I think it's sort of this funny nuance of what's promoted, what's the actual attendance as far as, or maybe not attendance, what's the actual number of sort of butts in seats is maybe the best way to describe it. Um, and then sort of what does that look like as far as how South Carolina is dealing with it? But, um, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's definitely been a resurgence and there's still, you know, the expectation that attendance or, or that there are more people going to games for sure. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's be clear on this too, because you covered every single game with the state newspaper. Mm -hmm. You sat in the press box using your eyeballs, using your eyeball. (laughs) I'm not trying to paint you in a corner here. I'm just trying to make sure that we, that we explain this well. Uh, you're talking about ticket scan, but using your eyeballs in your opinion and all those with the exception of the SC state game moved to a Thursday night in bad weather because of the hurricane Uh, and all of those other home games just, Hey, I'm in the stands. I'm telling you right now, was it closer to a sellout or was it closer to the actual number of scanned tickets somewhere in the 50,000 range? Anecdotally, I don't know. I think it depends. I think there are games where you look at, and certainly there's like corners of the stadium, whether that's sort of in the, generally speaking, in the upper deck in the corners, that's spots where I think that like there are some, there's some empty seats here and there. But I would say that like definitely like you look around the stadium, you look at the lower bowl, like that part of the stadium is generally always filled or for the most part was filled. Now, how that's calculated, that's, you know, an internal thing. And and again, goes into however South Carolina does that. But when you look at just, the data that we have and, and in front of us and that we were given and all of that through, through our public records requesting and all of that. Um, yeah. Those are the numbers that came out. So it's, again, like, I think it's a funny nuance of how these things are calculated and what sort of, and I think probably a lot of the ire, frankly, comes from the question of, okay, you say there's 75,000 people at the stadium or there's an average attendance of whatever, 75,000 people in the stadium, but, in reality, whatever that is, you know, the, the actual number of tickets scanned, which is kind of the best way to describe, like, how many people are actually sitting in a seat um, is obviously a lot lower. Now, again, like that nuance exists everywhere. It's not unique to South Carolina. It's just like part of the equation. So Do you think. Yeah, go ahead. Did, did, did... All right. So you remember the 20,000 number that they got from the spring game a couple of years ago? Uh, and everybody uh, was kind of up in arms about it when there were clearly yes. people in that there. Yep. Uh, th- that was the scan number, too. And I, I kind of question, you know, because there's some Gamecock Club members that scan their tickets and it doesn't update on the app. I mean, I, I kind of question sometimes maybe are, are there some technical uh, issues where that data is maybe not reported as well. I mean, Phil mentioned maybe going back to turnstiles. <laughs> uh, and, and, I, you know, because I – I've been going to get the games there my whole life. I, I got a good eyeball as to like what the what it looks like. Yeah. Um, but obviously, Ben, there there is some there's a big discrepancy uh, between the actual data that's reported in terms of scanned tickets and uh, and, and the seats that are filled, unless they're like fake people. 
uh, you know, remember the fake people during COVID? Uh, and I, I don't, I mean, uh, you know, I, I hadn't been to a home game since Kentucky in, in 2021, but uh, I, uh, you know, I, it, what, could that be a possibility? Uh, you know, is, is this a, is this maybe a technical glitch? But, you know, uh, and maybe it's a technical glitch everywhere. I don't know. But uh, I was just trying to kind of figure out how in the world there is that big of a discrepancy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, it's conceivable that there is sort of like the the user error or whatever, you know, whatever we used to call it in science class, right? I mean, I was a journalism major for a reason, so I can't get into it too deep. But, you know, I, I do think that... Um, <laughs> You know, I, I do think that there is some of that, I'm sure. I, I mean, you know, certainly those things probably exist. I, I mean, the data that we looked at is what was in there. But I think that, um, yeah, it, it's definitely an interesting dynamic. I think, again, like where you get a lot of the discrepancy, too, is right. Like, let's say you're counting all of the teams and all of the staffers and everything like that pretty easily adds up to a couple hundred, if not, you know, can you know, however many people and it goes into that, et cetera. And so I think that like when you do add all of those things up, certainly those numbers maybe go up between staffers and crews and everything else. Now, is it 20,000 people different? I don't know. No. I mean, yeah. I, I can't, I, right. Like that, I can't tell you, but um, I, I do think like, again, like, I think this is the interesting thing about what, and I think was kind of the, the interesting thing about this story was just that like attendance is sort of this thing that's, you know, again, not just at, at South Carolina is sort of said to be this when like actuality, number of tickets, whatever, like is a little bit different. And I think that that's it's just a very interesting dynamic. And then you tie in, I think, you know, a lot of the other parts of the story, just as far as like, how does that affect luxury seating and not trying to price people out? And, you know, how are season ticket sales going? How is and, and you know, a lot of the folks that I talked to for the story, right, mentioned how folks are going more for single game tickets versus season tickets. So that's part of it. Um, and it's just kind of a, it, it's an interesting dynamic. And I think that again, like the thing that also to remember with attendance and I think sort of those numbers that we get as far as a sellout too, right? Like those numbers are coming from, first of all, everyone, like I said, including everyone who's in the stands and, and et cetera, but it's also including every single ticket being sold. Now, whether that's to scalpers, whether that's to season ticket holders, whether that's to someone who, you know, ends up having a tummy ache the day of the game and can't come, like, again, like that, that's sort of the nuance of it, too, there with sort of who, how many tickets are sold versus how many people are actually showing up. And like you guys said, I mean, obviously the stadium had great crowds and and certainly agreed with that, but um, it's definitely an interesting conversation. Yeah, there's just not that many discrepancy eyeball test was. I mean, that, that was the... That's the right. weird thing. Now I do, I will say, you know, I, I talked to somebody, you know, after 2021 and, and, and they said there is a discrepancy between scan tickets and actual attendance. But uh, it looked like this past year with the exception of South Carolina state, which is a reschedule that right. the, there were more. I just, I was just kind of, I mean, you mentioned recruits and everybody like that. That's, that's a drop in the bucket compared to 20,000 people. Just to me, just sure. you know, eyeball it. So I, I don't know what the yeah. deal is, but it is it certainly is interesting. Definitely. And I think it ties yeah. into the other question of too, like you tie into the right, like the luxury seating side of it. And I remember, you know, speaking spoke with the uh, Steven Shapiro from South Carolina's uh you know, hospitality school and a school of hospitality management and everything. And you know, he's an expert on this stuff and he was talking about the idea of how do you balance like shrinking stadium sizes versus filling seats. And is it better to have basically you know, 100,000 seat stadium with 70,000 people in it or a 50,000 seat stadium with everyone in it. And it's, it's this thing that I think that's like getting 
figured out. And I mean, I'm sure we could talk about it, you know, as far as like stadium renovations that can come down the line with, with sort of the things that are being proposed around the stadium and how do those things tie in. And I think it's like uh, this, this whole conversation about attendance and how many people are showing up and sort of the, the finicky nature of all of it is, uh, it's definitely not going away at least. No, it, it wouldn't. It's, it's different everywhere. I mean, it really is. I mean, you, you, you know, you look at Nebraska and, and Penn State and teams like that, you know, and, and they just have zero problems putting 90,000, 100,000 people in their ballparks. And then there's some that seat 70,000 and 80,000. And, you know, obviously South Carolina has taken the approaches you've talked about. You know, they, they're going to more premium seating. There's stuff on the way that we all are well aware of. Yeah, it's a really interesting conversation. Like, I, I mean, I've been – you know, I've been in, in that ballpark for, you know, well over 30 years, seven times a season, and I know what it looks like when it's when it's 80,000 <laughs> versus when it's 60,000. And, you know, you're using the data that was given to you, and that's what goes into the column. I'm trying to figure out where they're getting that data from. I'm talking about the university here because, like, I know – like, I, I, I am a Gamecock Club member, Ben, but, it, it, but and for the purpose of the conversation – like I can go into my account and when I scan our tickets into the game, I could go back in there and look and it shows that I never scanned them into the game. And I have no idea why that is when I do it digitally. So it's really it's really strange. And I'm not I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying yeah. like I feel like there's something missing because like I, I mean I keep we just showed a, a one of our bumpers here as a clip at the end of the Tennessee game last year where nobody had left and there is easily 70 something thousand people in that ballpark easily and they're telling that i know your numbers were updated but i think the latest i saw ben was like sixty one thousand scanned tickets so we clearly know it was well more than that yeah Yeah, i think think scanned tickets is not i don't think that is necessarily actual attendance i guess that's my point of the whole thing yeah i I don't know if you feel differently but I, i would not base scan i think scan tickets is probably a different category i don't know why there's a discrepancy but uh, let, you know, that's just me. Let me ask this. Let me ask you that. I know we're past time here. We got to, so I'll give, we'll give you a couple of minutes. We'll let you run. What, what was the, I'm asking this in a good way, just so you know, not a bad way. What yeah. was the, what's, what was the purpose of the column uh, to, for us to, to see the data of scan tickets? Like what, what, what did, what do you want readers in the audience to understand by, by virtue of writing that, writing about it? Yeah, I, I think like, again, I think that this attendance thing is a piece of what this story turned into, right? Like, obviously, I mentioned season ticket sales are projected to go up and have been going up, yep. right? I think that yep. sort of the balance of luxury seating and what that means as far as what could be down the line for williams Bryce and, and how that matters as far as like putting butts in seats versus pricing people out and, and that kind of thing. But I think that like the crux of this story, I think, frankly, was that it's just a way to illustrate kind of what does a sellout actually mean and like what does a quote unquote sellout mean? And what is like, you know, what does that mean as far as how many people are actually sitting in the stands? And I think like, generally speaking, I think that like scan tickets, uh, you know, I I would push back a little bit just saying that like, I think that's generally sort of the understanding of like, what I I think that is generally the best way to uh, best assess or maybe the closest way to assess like how many people are actually sitting in a seat. Um, now, obviously, again, like these things are finicky and, and there's certainly I can't tell you how exactly South Carolina is compiling their data internally. Um, you know, I have the yeah. data that they gave me, but I can't tell you how that data is number is getting to that number. But um, but I do think that that's sort of just a way to illustrate, like all of these things are kind of correlated. And I think that 
um, again, like things are on the up and up. I think that, you know, Shane Beamer has brought a lot of excitement, all of that. But uh, I, I think it's showing in that. But I think there's also like a lot of subtleties to the whole conversation as well that, that tie into it, at least. That was kind of the the explanation of how this all works and why it's all cor- why it all kind of correlates. Certainly has uh, has brought some fire to the fan base. That's what that's what journalism <laughs> does, as you well know. You've been doing it a long time. Before we let you run here, uh, thoughts on South Carolina's schedule and anything that stuck out to you in the league, the twenty four schedule. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, at least with South Carolina, I don't know about y'all, but I'm really excited for the South Carolina Oklahoma game. I think that's going to be really fun. I think that yeah. you get Shane Beamer against Oklahoma and and sort of the obvious storylines, getting to go against presumably Brent Venables, barring anything crazy. Um, you know, there's going <laughs> to be never some know. Really, right, I was going to say it's, it's hard to say uh, this day and age in college football. Right, it's hard to project like 20 minutes down the line, let alone two years. But um, I, I do think that's going to be a really really fun matchup. And then the flip side of it, I, I'm really interested and and sort of amazed that none of florida georgia or tennessee ended up on this schedule i thought yep. at least probably two of those three were guaranteed to be on the schedule if not all three and that was a little bit surprising um but definitely some interesting things i, I think you know south carolina probably should feel pretty good about where it landed i think the sec did a pretty good job i know we give the sec a lot of, a lot of hell about this stuff all the time but i think generally speaking across the board that they did a pretty good job of of building a balanced schedule, um, you know, South Carolina and everyone else. And, and I think there's going to be some really fun matchups. So it's going to be interesting. And, you know, Georgia's still not going to Kyle Field, which is a whole fun other discussion we could talk about for hours. But yeah, uh, have that, they never been fun, there? Fun, fun. Georgia's never been to College college Station, right? Isn't that the thing that's in the, what, 12 years? Yeah, that didn't, and that didn't happen this year either. So that, that was – wow. Uh, it seemed like with Carolina, <laughs> they tried to put some games that hadn't happened in a while and – that Georgia A and M game remains elusive. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> and well, it won't be for long. I mean, probably the next. Now year. They, they they played in the Independence Bowl a few years back. Georgia beat them. Pretty I was going to say, whoever was putting these together must have had a sense of humor, deciding not to put A and M and put send Georgia to A and M. But it's uh, it makes for fun off season conversation. That's for sure. Hey, hey yeah. you you worked in Louisiana. That Independence Bowl means something up there, right? You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Shreveport, baby. <laughs> Shreveport. <laughs> Well, man, hey, uh, I know you're covering camp and, and uh, you're out there in the in the thick of it. Uh, so, but we really do appreciate you making time for us, and um, and especially on the heels of the of just the awful news of of Brad Lawing. I'm not sure if you ever got to spend much time around him, but he was a pretty good dude. Definitely, definitely, sad news and and sad for a lot of Gamecocks fans and and all of that, and definitely you know sending prayers to his family and everything else, and uh, yeah. you know thinking of them. But yeah, no, appreciate you guys having me. This was fun. Glad we got to do it. Thank you so much, man. Have a wonderful week, and we'll talk soon. Awesome. Appreciate you guys. There you go. Ben Portnoy with the uh, state newspaper, uh, and uh, and certainly wanted to ask you about that. That data, I I, I think one of the thanks, Phil. <laughs> um, I, I'm I I would be interested to hear a deeper dive on how the university gets that data because that that's the data that was provided to him you know obviously like you somebody there's got to be able to answer the question of how are you saying there were 61,000 people here for the Tennessee game but there was really closer to 80 where Look, are those man people? unless so why not ask the university like unless why that's leave what I'm it saying. As a question yeah why well, leave it as a question mark and print it as an article that's my i'll I mean, say this you know, too i didn't want to come at we, him i'm like but you know hey, i know we gotta go yeah i appreciate it we didn't have up. enough time to really get into a debate about it but uh i'll say this 
there are going to be less seats at Williams Bryce in yep. the near future, but there are going to be less seats everywhere in the country in the near future. Do I think the discrepancy is that dramatic? Hell no, I don't. (laughs) I think the data is, I think common sense would tell you that. Not that Ben doesn't have common sense. He's writing a story and he's got his angle. But I I would just be blown away if that was actual. I mean, how big are the seats then? Do we, in South Carolina, do we have Tennessee style seating where a 140 year old man is like, you know, too fat to fly? Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, have you ever seen the Neyland Stadium? That's how it oh, is. Right. I mean, I have it's to stand awful. up. It's awful. Um, yeah, but I, don't, I mean, I've never, I've been going to games there my whole life. I've never thought that about South Carolina ever. No, so, so there has I, to be a logical explanation. Yeah the que- the question the, the the question is where is the discrepancy? Because I, I know what my eyes see, mm-hmm. and. To, to Ben's credit here, he's reporting the numbers given to him by the university. Yeah, I, would I know disagree with him completely yeah. that scan tickets based on what you see with your eyes in reality, uh, that scan tickets are the best way to determine. T- that's that's the line where I would draw the line. I just think no, that's not more no. reality. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I'm saying, like, I would be asking the question to South Carolina of, Okay, because the the numbers were updated, right? They gave, which is strange. Again, strange. The university gave him information. He reported the information, and then they come back and they change and change the information. So it's not, in my opinion, my my questions would be: Well, how did this change from when you first gave it to me to now? And number two, how are you reporting seventy eight thousand people in there for for this game, this game, and this game? But scan tickets is showing this. Like, what? Are, where's the discrepancy? Because obviously, yeah, there is. And, and I yeah, don't think scan know. tickets are the best way to determine actual attendance. That's the by that he he thinks that, and I think this, and we all think that. We agree. I just I think it could be incompetent scanners too. Look, folks, it's hard to get help these days, right? And unless you're yeah. in a sexy business like ours, I uh, think there's you know? I think there's a digital issue in South Carolina. That's what I think. Because I'm telling you right I now, think, like, I think something there's malfunctioning. In my in my my account personally, and my family has total sixteen tickets. But me personally, I have four. I have four, and it shows that I was scanned into scan. Uh, so twenty eight tickets to seven games. It shows that seven tickets were scanned last year in seven games, and that ain't right. <laughs> well, there's so you your didn't answer. attend all those games you said you did, Jim. right? Exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah, and every right. seat, every seat was full. Like, yeah. like some schools have a credit system, and they'll they'll bump your seats if you don't show up. You know, uh, you get points for showing up, and if you're not getting your points, you, your seats all of a sudden are less. Yeah, the next year because they didn't think you were there. I mean, they somebody's got to fix this. Okay, I mean, and. It may be that the stadium downsizes anyway. They get a new system or whatever. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just the only thing I have an issue with with that article is it sounds like to me Ben believes, uh, and he pushed back, so that's fine. Uh, Ben believes that the best way to determine it is through this scan system, and those of us that have kind of been around a while go, well, ho, 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 that they're not giving away 20,000 tickets a game, right? They're not comping 20. 20,000 people are not marching in with the other team's band and the cheerleaders. No, there's not that many groups. volunteers either or people like staff members. Yeah. Then, I mean, he kind of yeah. insinuated that volunteers and staff were being included in total. Well, well, 
count, but I mean, you know, the number we, of seats. Because there's a, not that many empty seats. seats. The, yeah, exactly. So the I beer mean, guy is not sitting in the stands watching the game. No. Like I said, no. unless there's fake people like during COVID. No. no, and here's the other side of it is that here we are on primetime TV, you know, multiple times this year with a with a packed house, you know, whether it be literal or figurative. You've got you're making this impression on recruits and all of that, which is the most important thing about all of this really <laughs> is, you know, the relevance and respect for your program. If it's coming across on TV, why even make an issue of it up because the numbers happen to don't match but from two sets of data that you happen to have acquired for whatever reason from the university and not gear the article towards and trying to answer the question, why is there a discrepancy between this and this? And then turning it into, I don't know. It was kind of all over the place. It was about the data. It was about the luxury seating. It was about reducing the number of seats. It was, it was about so many different things all the while we're following Shane Beamer at the Aiken Gamecock club meeting. I don't know. It's, I didn't get it. Well, yeah, that was, that was the thing to me. There's a fundamental difference of opinion. uh, And I think the facts uh, would be on our side, but look, man, we appreciate having Ben come on and explain himself. Absolutely. uh, yeah, yeah, let's hear it. I told him that. I said, hey, we're going to press you on this a little bit. What, that's yeah. why he asked the question. What did your eyes tell you, and what's the purpose like, of writing the column? You know? <laughs> like I Tupac mean, said. Tupac said, I ain't mad at you. And ben, hey, ben, First of all, Ben's a super nice guy. You know, he's ain't a, mad he's at a you. really good guy. And he's a big boy. He's been doing this a long time. He can handle That's the point yeah. of – that's that's what – you have journalism on to be able to have these – journalists on to be able to have these type of discussions and not – Everything is sure. just the opinion of some guy, you know. One day like, we'll have Gene Sapikoff on. Absolutely, you know. I've yeah, had Gene we'll on my shows for ten years. I mean, I have no you problem with. I, these I will guys. have an interesting conversation. You know, uh, I'm all for that, and these guys are all for that. Gene goes on the Fine Bomb show. And this show ain't gonna scare him. I don't. Yeah, and I don't like. Yeah. To, you know, I don't like to blast people. I mean, I did that one time, but during um, my career when I was with Corey, and I blasted poor Lisa. And she just did. She just wrote something that was garbage and didn't know what she was talking about. And <laughs> I just kind of went at her with that. And I mean, I you know, I'm, I'm a little more friendly, like like with that. And I, you know, I I understand if you're not a lifelong lifer around here, uh, and you've seen huge crowds your whole life, and you sort of know what a huge crowd at Williams Price looks like. Um, you know, I think maybe there's a scan ticket scan company out there that's got contracts. With everybody that's screwing people, because Ben said it was it was like this everywhere. So maybe there's maybe there's some charlatans out there selling scanners. Yeah, I just <laughs> it just it's confusing. It doesn't it doesn't make sense. I mean, they they reported the university did last year. This isn't you know Ben's reporting the numbers that are given to him. So. Yeah. You know, they reported there was just over 40,000 season tickets sold. And then you've got students, which I think is, what is it, JC, 10,000 a game? Now, I'll agree in 2021, it was lacking. I mean, I agree. Yeah. 2021 is different than 2020. 2021, I, I was like, damn, are they ever going to come back? You know? Yeah. But so uh, here, and so you're, so what we're getting here is that Georgia State had 63,199 total tickets scanned. And that's two thousand more than Georgia. I'm sorry, not two thousand. That's that's unfair. That's uh that's twelve hundred more than Georgia, and that's also 
uh, about 2,000 more than Tennessee. That doesn't make any sense. That's 3,000 more than Texas A&M. You see what I'm saying? Like, And I know that Georgia State was a night game, first game of the year. People were all fired up and this, that, and the other. But the numbers don't make sense. The A&M crowd was much bigger. Uh, I mean, I thought it was much more full than Georgia State. But anyway, we got, we, we've got we've, – yeah, we've we gone over time, boys. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Took it to OT. That's we right. Sure did. Extra time. Uh, all yeah. the guys asking questions about Nick Harbor leaving. Uh, nobody's talked to Nick Harbor, but uh, JC, I'll let you round this out. I, I just because the track coach is retiring, I, I you can never say never to ever anything in life, but um, he ain't gonna leave. He just don't worry about. No. I mean, yeah. Paul's a bigger draw than track for him here. Yeah, he, he would not have picked South Carolina. It was a football decision. Yeah, yeah. if she were a track guy, he'd be in Oregon, right? I mean, that's my thoughts. Oregon or Miami, something yeah. like that. But I know people have been asking. I think Harbor will be hours. fine. Now look, uh, spread the word about Carolina Rise. Yeah, yeah, because that's that's an that there is nil money that will have to, to, to be you know that you'll have to get, but. but uh, Certainly wasn't as much as what we're doing. Uh, it's not talking season, it's giving season. Yeah, give, 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 hallelujah. For every um, day the sun's out, you owe us $10. Yeah. <laughs> That's taking, JB. <laughs> That's not giving. You're taking my sunshine away. <laughs> That's taking. Anyway. Yeah, this, that, the other. Thanks to Ben and Chris, uh, RIP to Brad Lawing, and uh, thoughts and prayers certainly with his family. Uh, tomorrow we'll be joined by Mason Love, Mason Love, the new punter, com- new com- pu- the new commitment who is a punter. He's one of three new commitments. We can't report on who the other two are, but soon. Uh, but he'll be joining us. Can't wait for that. And then uh, we also plan to have Stuart Lake in tomorrow to wrap baseball season. And so it's going to be another fun day around here. For Phil and JC, I am JB. Thanks to all of you. Have a thirsty Thursday afternoon. Thanks to the bourbon for making me wake up late this morning. And we'll see you tomorrow at 11 on Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndoka.